a la derecha o a la izquierda. To the left or to the right in Spanish, but who the fuck cares? This is White Heat episode 87 presented by Godzilla Media. I'm Brian Katie. Oh, yeah. And that's JJ Alexander. You see the socials underneath. I'm at Brian Katie, all is one word. He's at JJ underscore Alexander. I'm purposely pointing because I am now finally mentally understanding the directions pointing. That's JJ. I'm Brian. Hi. How are you? JJ's pointing at the edge. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Hola. Como se dice uh, fuck AEW? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if, if I, if, I don't, I don't, I don't remember the word for fuck. But anyways, um, yeah. So we're here. We're we're running. We're we're going. Um, I told before I started recording this. I told Mr. JJ that I was going to get him angry early, um, and it has something nice. to do with the first thing we're going to touch on. Uh, so I will I will warn you up front; it's not the first thing. Uh, so the first thing we're going to touch on, uh, just to get it out of the way, and just to say yes, we covered it. Fuck off. Um, so <sighs> NWA, NWA had a pay per view over the weekend. I'll just run through it quick for the sake of, you know, running through it. Uh, none of the pre-show matches made a fucking difference in the show, uh, and none of them went over seven minutes, so there's no need to really go over that, to be mm-hmm. quite honest. Um, so, uh, the the regular card for the pay-per-view, uh, Tom Latimer opened in a Singapore K-match and won it over Fodder. Again, I don't know who the fuck that is, but whatever. Uh, then Kerry Morton mm-hmm. successfully defended the junior heavyweight title against Alex Taylor. Uh, and then something interesting happened. Uh, Thrillbilly Silas Mason beat Kratos due to referee stoppage. And the reason noted here for the stoppage was because there was a botched attack at some point during the match that saw Kratos accidentally mm-hmm. get severely lacerated on the exposed turnbuckle, resulting in extreme blood loss. Oof. So yikes. Yeah. Um, then we saw we have new women's world tag team champions, the Renegade Twins, who've been jobbing their lives away the last few months on AEW television and YouTube. Uh, they beat Kenzie Page and Ella Envy to become the new champions. Then we got EC3 beating Kevin Kylie Jr. by submission. Um and there was a, you know, there was a clip of Kevin taking a stupid ass move, trying to do. Yeah. Basically, he was kind of sort of trying to do the whole Montez Ford jump over the turnbuckle uh, move. Yeah. Except uh, he, he was trying to do, he was trying to do the, the super topic on Elo, and yeah, just. Yeah. Um, not a nice landing, but I mean, I haven't heard anything otherwise, so I guess he's okay. Uh, after that, we had La Rebellion retaining their tag titles in six minutes. <sighs> Jesus, what a, what a fucking booking this is. Uh, against Blunt Force Trauma. Uh, oh, they won by DQ. That would explain probably why it went six minutes. Um, Chris Adonis beat Trevor Murdoch by submission. Uh, Camille retained the World Women's title in an ODQ match against Angelina Love. Scion retained the national heavyweight title against homicide, but in whatever, I don't know if it was a TV taping for power or whatever, 
But at some point within the next day or two, he wound up dropping the belt to Tom Latimer. The only reason I even know this is because it's been because fucking Camille and Tom, since they're engaged, they've been fucking posting pictures all over Twitter the last couple of days about it. Um, and then the main event, Tyrus beat Cardona to retain the world heavyweight title in 1320. And then... And then Bully Ray was at commentary for that main event. Um, and? There's and. You have an and? Did I miss yeah. something? What's Bully Ray got in the ring and challenged Tyrus for the NWA title. Oh, good. So he's just making the rounds of challenging all the different. What year is it? WWE. He might as well just go and challenge Gage for the GCW title at some point during Mania weekend. Like, what the right. fuck is this guy doing? <sighs> Fucking. Because NWA really needed Bully Ray. Like, anybody really needs Bully Ray right now. Right. No. Um. So, yeah. So, just to say we did it, there's your update, there's your results. Fuck off, Billy Corgan. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, New Japan. This is where I you're going to get angry. I'll, I'll let you know the moment when you're going to get angry. Um, but first off, we're covering to review. Uh, the new beginning in Osaka event happened over the weekend on Saturday. Matches of note... Uh, let's see here. Uh, Tanahashi beat Kenta in a singles match that went about 14 minutes. Okay. Uh, what else we got here? Never open weight six man tag titles have been, uh, have new champs. Okay. Uh, Ren Narita got the pinfall on Yujiro Takahashi. So Narita, El Desperado, and Minoru Suzuki are the new never open weight six man tag champs. Interesting. Um, skip that match for now because I'm assuming you're going to have a comment about that, so we'll come back to it. Um, Tamatanga successfully defended the Never Openweight Championship against El Fantasmo in 27 yeah. minutes. Uh, the main event, Okada successfully defended the IWGP World Heavyweight title against Takagi in 3207. I'm so and surprised. then... Um, and then Takahashi came out after the fact because that's going to be his challenger in San Jose when they come across the Pacific for this weekend, I believe, isn't it? San Jose yeah, Saturday. Is right? Yeah. Same day as Elimination Chamber. Um, but the match I want to go back to Uh-oh. was the – this is not where you're going to get angry. Hold on. I'll, I'll, get, I'll warn you when you're going to get angry. You wouldn't like um, me when I'm angry. Um. I like when you get angry about what you're going to get angry about. Um, was the loser leaves Japan match that happened on this? Oh, card yes. With Jay White taking the pinfall loss to our good friend, Hikalao. 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 Yep. Um, and they. The ending of the match and what happened after the match was interesting to me because um, it was treated awkwardly, kind of ceremonially, ceremoniously. Um, So the ending was... uh, Did you see the ending of this match? No. So basically, the gist I get is 
Um, so Jay White was done for. Mm-hmm. And Hikaleo was just going to put the finishing touch on it. Mm-hmm. Jay gives this to Hikaleo. Mm-hmm. So they... And then Hikaleo chokeslams him one, two, three. So it's basically like, I'm sorry, I love you. Kind of, yes. And then after the match, here's here's another part that I thought was very interesting. So Takahashi was on commentary. Mm-hmm. And Jay White went over and shook his hand. And okay. was all respectful with everybody along the commentary, which I, I don't know. That was just kind of odd to me, I felt. I don't know why. It was just... Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, so... Um, but here's here's the thing that I'm trying to really, really grasp here. If the impression is Jay White is running the New Zealand brand for them that they just launched, are dirt sheet writers really that bored during Mania season that they have to keep trying to insist that Jay White? is actually interested in going to AEW or WWE. Yeah, they need clickbait. Like, how fucking desperate do you have to be? They it's- need clickbait. And they, they don't think... Dirt sheet guys don't think in a business rationale. Which is why I think I'm the only person that has put forward the theory that he's possibly going to run the new uh, Australia Oceanic brand. I seem to be the only one that's thinking that. It's just beyond me how there's even press releases saying that Jay White's helping this brand. <laughs> like, read. That takes work. Requires requires brain cells. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. Requires fucking brain cells. Man. Like, I'd love to see Jay White show up in NXT. Probably not going to happen. Yeah. You know, because I'd love to see Jay White and Tyler Bate tear the fucking house down. Yeah, or anybody that was in the UK. Yeah. Um. So real quick, Battle in the Valley, I'll run through that card real quick. Your pre-show matches, Alex Coughlin against J.R. Kratos, David Finley against Bobby Fish. Your actual main show matches, eight-man tag, Rocky Romero, Josh Alexander, Adrian Quest, and Mascara Dorada against Volador Jr., Kushida, Kevin Knight, the DKC. That's a that's a melting pot. Um, New Japan Strong Heavyweight Title Defense, Fred Rosser defends against Kenta. Mm-hmm. Strong Openweight Tag Titles, the Motor, the Motor City Machine Guns defend against Jarrell Nelson and Royce Isaacs. Hmm. Uh, special, um, specialty match, Eddie Kingston against Jay White, 30 minute time limit, uh, filthy rules, no DQs, ring ropes, not used during the bout, homicide against Tom Lawler, hmm. uh, T- the, and new Japan TV titles, Zack Sabre Jr. will come across the pond to defend against Clark Connors. Yay. And then your double main event, the women's championship, Kyrie defending against Mercedes Monet, AKA Sasha Banks. Mm-hmm. And the world heavyweight title, Kata defending against Hiroshi Tanahashi. Yeah. Um. So that is the card for this weekend, <laughs> but we're still not to the part that's gonna make Mister JJ angry. So, uh, they released the bracket for New Japan Cup. 
But they've also announced a match that will occur at the New Japan Cup Finals Night for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. Would you like to guess who is challenging Mr. Takahashi? Did fight, I don't know, fucking Sammy Guevara? No. Hiromu Takahashi will defend the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship on the night of the New Japan Cup Final, which will be on March the 21st against Leo Rush. Again. You know, I actually turned on MLW last night because now that they're on reels, and I, I was actually able to turn it on, and the first thing I fucking see is fucking Leo Rush. You're welcome. Ugh, just go the fuck away. Retire for the 85th time. Um, now I didn't get a chance to grab the the uh, graphic for this, but New Japan Cup 24, 24 men single elimination tournament. Um, so there are eight people, looks like, getting, yes. So eight men are getting buys in the first round. Um, the event doesn't officially start, though, till March 5th, so. Let me see if I can. New Japan and their damn tournaments, man. It's like every other month there's a tournament. Like, it's getting kind of tedious, especially when they do shit like this, where it's like, oh, this is the New Japan Cup, but, you know, a third of these guys are getting a first round buy. Why? Why? Because they only have 24. Yeah, I don't know. I'm going to tell you. Bring in fucking outside people. Like, it's, I just don't get it. This is why I stopped watching New Japan, because it's the same five guys at the top of the card, and it doesn't change. You know, and it's like, yo, I love Okada, but there's only so much I can deal with, you know, like now Jay White's going down to Australia. So that opens up space for someone. But I mean, you're still dealing with Okada, Takagi, Tanahashi, um, Takahashi, and trying to think who else would fit in there because Jay White's gone now. Like who would get elevated? Osprey or fucking Zack Sabre Jr.? Like, yay. Um, yeah, you're right. I can't, I can't argue that. Hmm. All right. I got the image of the New Japan Cup, so I'll bring this up real quick. So, okay. Uh, for those of you watching on the YouTube side, you'll see this. For those on the audio side, I will Look just it. I will walk through it quick. Uh, as we go. So, I'm going to start in the upper left-hand corner. I'll turn off the banner on the bottom here as well. So, upper left-hand corner of the bracket. The upper left quadrant, we'll call it. Mm-hmm. So, Sonata and Tai Chi will have a match. Winner goes on to face Kenta in the round of 16. Naito and El Fantasmo will have an opening round match. They'll go on to face oh. Chase Owens in the hold, round of 16. Hold up. Naito has to start, but Chase Owens gets a bye. I... 
Jesus fuck. Uh, the bottom left quadrant, Ren Narita against Evil. Winner goes on to face Jeff Cobb in the round of 16. Jeff Cobb gets a bye, whereas Evil is a former IWGP heavyweight champion. Toro Yano against Mark Davis. Winner goes on to face Will Ospreay. Wouldn't it be interesting? It's not going to happen. Wouldn't it be interesting if Mark Davis went on to face Ospreay? That would be interesting. Um, top right quadrant, Yoshihashi against Kyle Fletcher. Winner faces Hiroki Goto in the round of 16. Shingo Takagi against Aaron Hanare. Winner faces Tama Tonga in the round of 16. Then bottom right quadrant, David Finley against Ishii. Winner faces Great Okan in the round of 16. And then the final uh, group, Shota Umino against Yujiro Takahashi. That winner faces the current TV champ, Zack Sabre Jr. in the round of 16. Um, And that's your 24-man bracket right there. And what's the cup winner get at the end besides a trophy? Uh, very good. Question. Uh, they are going to be getting a shot at the World Heavyweight Championship at Sakaru Genesis. That event is April 8th, so the weekend after WrestleMania. Yay! Just it's it's just getting so methodical. I, I listen, I'm not gonna argue with that. Um, I think there there's reasons, um, but they need a new Booker. Gato no. doesn't get Gato is just like doing shit for the sake of doing shit. That'd be a good start. That would be a good start. Um, all right, moving on to Impact. Let's take a look at their TV from last week. I'm sure I'm gonna get angry at some point or. Just this bitch. Uh, op- the uh, pre-show match, Mike Bailey beats Raj Singh. I mean, if you didn't see that coming, who gives a fuck? Right. Um, at the end of the match, Bailey accepts Gresham's challenge for a match at no surrender. So that's happening. That'll be a good match. Uh, then we get to the actual start of the show. They show Cardona showing up the Impact Zone as he gets ready to challenge uh, Joe Hendry in the main event. For the digital media championship, okay. The digital media title is supposed to be defended on BTI or on YouTube. I know. Um. So now we start the number one contenders match qualifiers for the night. Uh, Brian Myers ends up beating Dirty Dango. <clears throat> then they show Gianna Peraza. Spilling chili all over Giselle Shaw. Yeah. And then, and then Santino Morello decides to make a match between them at No Surrender. After Shaw claims that uh, she was the reason Chelsea, that Deanna Perrazzo was the reason Chelsea Green left Impact Wrestling. We really had to bring this pitch up? Really? Uh, did, they're making a pay per view match based on you spilled chili on me. This is. That is like. Well, it's, it's a combination of the spilling chili on me and driving out a friend from Impact, apparently. Still, like, why don't you just do the driving out the friend? Why do you need the chili? The chili is just juvenile. Like, that is. I, I, 
That's just that's just bad storytelling. I know. Um then Trey Miguel's being interviewed backstage and Crazy Steve is playing mind games with him somehow, some way, whatever. Uh, we get Mickey James and Tommy Dreamer beating John Schuyler and Jason Hotch in tag action. Then after the match, Bully Ray attacks Tommy Dreamer from behind. Um, then Masha Slamovich blindsides Mickey James. And obviously they're having the title match and no surrender. Um, then Santino Morella backstage denies Johnny Swinger a shot at the world title. Oh, poor Johnny um, Swinger. And Dirty Dango shows up and insists that he's Morella's deputy. Okay. And then apparently Zicky Dice ends the segment by telling Swinger he knows someone that he can defeat to jumpstart his road to 50 wins. Jesus, fuck. What, that sounds like a clusterfuck segment. Yeah. Um... And then it looks like we basically have a Rich Swan vignette when he's reflecting on his time when he was world champion back in 2020. Um, and then we have Steph DeLander losing her Impact debut to Jordan Grace. Aww. I mean, obviously you gotta lose Jordan, but I would have given her like a squash match win to start if she's gonna be working with them. Right. Uh, Cardona gets thrown out of the building after he complains to the manager that he'd rather change the parking lot than his subpar locker room. I'm so confused. Whatever. Uh, then Josh Alexander's being interviewed backstage. He praises Rich Swan. Then Kenny King interrupts and claims he's the only real threat to Alexander's world title. And then I guess uh, Swan comes in to have Alexander's back. Sure. Um, then we get the Death Dolls retaining the Knockouts tag titles over Killer Kelly and Taylor Wilde. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> basically, Taylor Wilde refusing to tag in. Killer Kelly ends up getting pinned. <laughs> that's that's how that ends. Um, then Father James Mitchell comes out and places a hex on Rosemary as Allison Kay and Marty Bell attack the Death Dolls. Okay, sure. Um, Eddie Edwards is apparently willing to pay Shira. Who the fuck? I don't remember who Shira is on the top of my head. Um, whatever it takes to take out PCO. <laughs> uh, then we get the guns backstage. Um, talking about how they're going to be teaming with Kushida. And Ace Austin and Chris Bay interrupt, claiming that if it weren't for Cardona and Myers, they'd be the new tag Tag champs. Mm -hmm. And then they challenge... um, They end up making the challenge to the Guns and Kushida for a six-man tag, and they'll have Kenta on their team. I mean, that's a a little bit of interest. You've you've actually done a cross... You've got a crossover team now of... The machine guns and the time splitters. That's mm-hmm. that's kind of neat. Mm-hmm. I'll give them that. The little inkling of nice. Uh, then PCO beat Shira in a number one contenders match qualifier. Um, another fucking Cardona thing backstage. Who cares? Mm-hmm. Uh, Kazarian trying to understand. Uh, he's talking to Sammy Callahan trying to figure out why he joined forces with the design. Then Khan shows up, leading Kazarian to challenge 
lay out a challenge for no surrender. Yippee yay. Fucking yay. Um, Apparently, Joe Hendry reminds Matt Cardona he'll always be Edge's bitch before the bell rings. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and then Hendry retains over Cardona. So Hendry's still the digital media championship. Yeah. After the match, Hendry moves out of the way of a spear from Moose, and he spears Cardona instead. Uh-huh. And then Hendry has a, his music video hit. The crowd chants Edge's bitch as Cardona. Uh, at Cardona as the show goes off the air. So basically, Cardona is trying to be Miz now. Um, I think it's funny because apparently he did an interview over the past week where he said that now he's saying that a return to WWE was never in his plans. Right. Which is complete bullshit. He was hoping to get signed because Trips fucking offered a contract to Chelsea Green and he expect he automatically expected to go there with her. And now he's bitter as fuck. And that's probably why he tried filing the trademark on Zack Ryder. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, like you're, you're not relevant. You, 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 you had, you had a nice little, you, you had a nice little blurb of social media activity in the mid 2000 teens. That was it. You're still riding off of that. And there's no gas left in that tank. Uh, preview for this week for their TV Chris Bay one on one against Kushida, Eddie Edwards against Heath, Mac one against Rhino. Those last two matches are both number one contenders match qualifiers, mm-hmm. and Rich Swan one on one against Kenny King. Nah. That's four matches for this coming week. Um, no surrender, by the way, is next Friday night. Um, so we will. I hate those Friday night pay-per-views. On Impact Plus. Mm -hmm. So we'll go over that next week. I feel like the reason they do that is because they've got a big subscriber base in the UK. So Mm -hmm. by doing them on Friday nights, UK people are able to watch them in the early morning hours. Yeah. I mean, they're starting at 8, so like 1 to 2 a.m., depending on where they are. Right. I've seen I've seen a few like YouTube reviewers from the UK who are like are who who will do like a live watch along at like one in the morning. Oh, let's time. pull it all nighter, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I mean some of them are funny, so you know. Yeah. All right. I'm assuming you're gonna get angry because you always do the at this part of the show every week. You have your notes ready? Oh yeah, I gotta get my notes out. I will say I missed the first four minutes of AEW, and my DVR didn't pick it up for some reason. So I started watching mid-first match, which I don't really think I missed much. Uh, uh, let me pull my notes to see. It was MJF and Takeshita. Yeah, you really missed much. I I was able to see the handoff. The handoff? Both handoffs. Both handoffs. The ref handing the blade to Takeshita. And Takeshita handing the blade back to the ref. Yeah. Because the dude in the production truck doesn't know how to go. Shit! Switch to hard cam! Quick! 
was only so many times you can show how fucking small the building was. This is true. And how empty it was. Jesus Christ. I felt like my apartment was bigger than that fucking building sometimes mm-hmm. when they're showing it. Yep. And you know it's bad when Tony Khan's starting to run in smaller venues and he's still not filling them. Like it it is not cheap to run a TV in a in any on a traveling basis. So yeah. But yes, I, I have my notes up. I wish somebody would give us the honest finances year over year for these assholes. Well, so Tony Khan is is clamoring that last year AEW grossed a hundred million dollars. That's all well and good. What what's the true story is what you netted, not what you grossed. Because, and I'm pretty sure even Cornette said it. You can you can gross a hundred million, but if you spent two hundred million to get to that you're still in the hole. And judging by the fact that over the past year, we've seen them, we've seen the ratings on a downwards, uh, on a downward scope, even if, even if slightly, it's still been a slow decline. We've seen houses get smaller and smaller and we've seen ad time. We've seen more, way more filler ad time on dynamite and rampage Mm -hmm. than in 2021 those are all signs that they're not really doing that well let's put it this way i don't think anybody within the aw fan base are financial majors nope they're not so because then they would have to deal with reality as long as it has a big number and it sounds good, right? Then that's why they always they, they always cling to the key demo instead of the actual number. Right. That's why they cling to tickets sold on you know tickets sold on, on the thing versus tickets versus seats actually filled. You're right. I know. I know. It's it's the most toxic fan base out there. Um, so to overview the opening match, uh, MJF ends up submitting to Keshta. And then after the match, knocks him out with the dynamite ring. And then Danielson chases off MJF. And you know something? I'll give the, I'll give it, I'll give it its due, except for maybe one or two spots in the match. That was a very good match. Takeshita has a lot of potential. MJF worked well with him. MJF just classic heel, working great. You can see, you know, like, and this was the first time Tony Khan did something smart by opening the show with your champion to cling on to the ratings of the people coming into it instead of waiting until 9 p.m. to see MJF. That was the good part. The bad part was how then he kept throwing MJF into every other segment throughout the night. That's overkill. Right. And we'll get to that. Right. Uh, then we get a Samojo pre-tape about Wardlow. Who cares? Uh, you notice, I've noticed a lot. Samoa Joe's promos are always pre-tapes now. Maybe they're afraid about him swearing because he's a fucking idiot. That, and I just feel like he can't ever get it in the first take. Like, because that's the thing is like, I remember back during ROH when Joe was champ, like he was never a good talker. Mm. 
Like he has one mode. I'm a dick. That's it. Whether babyface or a heel, he has I'm a dick. And that's it. Like he has no nuances. I think he was okay in WWE. Nah. I said I okay. Was, I didn't say I thought he was horrendous on commentary. Well, commentary is a completely different animal. You know that. I know, but still, like it's just proof that, like, you know, it's that's why they've always had managers do color commentary over the years in companies because when you have a natural promo ability it helps come across when you need that little flair and commentary i mean that was why like that was why i i when i started i had to start in commentary before i could work my way to manager and it really helped because it it, it got me to where you know can figure out where to put things here and there and where to put the quip and where not to put the quip and where's the line to cross and where's, you know, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And Joe just, he's never really had that ability. Yeah. Um, then we get hater beating the bunny. Oh, um, I wrote that bunny took a move like shit right before the finish, but now looking back at it, it was haters fault. Yeah, um, I think r- word came out after the fact that Bunny got a concussion from that concussion and a broken orbital bone. Fucking lovely. What I didn't get is they're both so so we we haven't figured out whether Brit and Hater and them are full fledged baby faces now or if they're heels. They're we don't get baby it. They're, then why did she shake hands with the Bunny at the beginning of the match? She's British. I don't fucking know. Uh, like it made no fucking sense in the grand scheme of things. It made no sense. And like everyone was like, oh my God, Jamie Hader was white hot. And that's why they put the fucking belt on her. Yeah, no, now it's exposed that y'all were just cheering because it was a different person. That was it. It was the same thing with Thunder Rosa. You all wanted her to win. And the second she won, everything cooled off and you didn't want to see her anymore. Uh, then we get Storm and Soraya backstage with Renee. They decide to bring Leva Bates into the shot because they're running out of regular, regular on-air talent to do shit to. So they're scraping the bottom of the barrel with the with the perennial YouTubers now. Uh, so they end up knocking her down and then tagging her with the L with the spray paint. Sure. Uh, then we get MJF cutting a promo backstage with Lexi in the locker room. Mwah. Um, Mwah. Wonderful. Yes. Um, and by the way, dumbasses, no, Nassau County police did not get over 300 fucking phone calls. Right. Yeah. The, I'm glad I sent that. I, I sent that screenshot to you of the, of the guy on Twitter who said, yeah, I just went and fact checked that. Yeah, no, it never happened. Like that's I got so mad I fucking listen to I, I listen to Cornette talking about it and he's like oh yeah kayfabe must be alive mom I'm like dude literally in like two hours after this shit this dude debunked it mm-hmm. like finished doing research yeah it's more than clicking on one thing and it's like and seriously like that is a far fetched fucking idea that this day and age that level of kayfabe would still exist like yes. There's sometimes where you can truly work the crowd into thinking everything is a shoot. This was a brilliant promo, but it was not one of those times that would merit. Oh my God. He just admitted to a crime on national television. Like shut the fuck up. And you know something 
And this is my only note because I, I love the promo. I thought it was great. This is my only note uh-huh. is after he gave that he where, where he gave the delivery line where he was just like, and then I put her in the driver's seat and they took her away. And she got up. I would have just had a mad. And guess what? The statute of limitations has run out. So you can't do shit to me. I just would have added that. But besides that, wonderful. Just love your ass. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. Do you do a kayfabe way of covering your ass? And then and that and that actually gives it a little bit more of a nuance of a work shoot, Mm -hmm. you know, but as far as the other shit, like, no, like, no, no one's buying it. Like every stupid freaking Internet dirt. She was like, oh, my God. No, it didn't fucking happen. Stop it. Then we get the Garcia Guevara gauntlet match. Uh, Starks ends up pitting Parker Menard quick to start it off. Dude. Fucking. So I think was either Parker or Menard. He took away with he he took out with a with a brain buster, right? That would have been Parker. Yeah, he gives it a brain buster. Sockface calls it a Northern Lights bomb. I'm like, dude, get off of commentary. Fuck you. Like, you're going to sit here and call every fucking move under the sun, and now you're turning into Michael Cole and calling the wrong move every fucking time. Like, you want to act like this encyclopedia of wrestling moves. Guess what, motherfucker? That was my fucking gimmick 15 years ago. Suck a dick. Uh, So Garcia ends up being the third leg of the gauntlet, and then uh, they end up on the outside. A fan, quote-unquote, fan... (laughs) Dressed in a plain old gray mask, ringside hits the juice effect on Starks. I thought it was a Mil Mascaris mask. I don't know what the fuck it was. Yeah, I just love uh, my 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 comment was: Is that a fan? No, because AEW fans don't actually buy their merch. Uh, so hits the juice effect on Starks. Was on the outside. Uh, Garcia rolls Starks into the ring and pins him. And then uh, the dude in the mask rolls in, and obviously it's Jericho. Completely whiffed on that elbow, by the way. Didn't come anywhere near him, and freaking Ricky sold it like a million bucks. Like, you ever notice in AEW, like, they could have a house drop on them, and they're up five seconds later, but when it's like a single move, they'll sell it for like an hour? Yeah. Like, the... It's just it goes back to a lot of these kids not fully being trained and not learning how to work in front of a large crowd and work TV correctly. Doesn't and just, it's really sad. Doesn't just make you want to start running again. Even Dude, more. I've been waiting to. It, unfortunately, I got fucking. Unfortunately, I got a sister company that keeps trying to run every time we want to fucking do it. Well, yeah. Uh, then we got acclaimed and Billy Gunn backstage with Renee. Um, they say Billy's going to stay in the back during the match later. And I literally wrote, Billy's going to stay in the back until the ref bump happens. And then he comes out. Foreshadowing. Uh, then we got Danielson in the training room with Takeshita and Renee. Doors suddenly shut. And <laughs> Danielson is locked in as music hits for Roosh. <laughs> I wrote I wrote so Renee is locked in a room with two guys. I know where this is going. You're awful. 
bad enough they had Banger Bros. From I'm Drew sorry, Miss Moxley. <laughs> Uh, then MJF comes to the ring after Roosh's entrance, tells Aubrey to employ the 10 count on Danielson. Danielson breaks down the door with his like bad shoulder. Man. With his bad shoulder. Yep. And gets to the ring in time in order to start the match. And like, I gave the scenario last week they could have used. I laid it out for him. Instead, they do this bullshit, right? Where it's like, no, that would never happen. Like you lock a guy in the room and, just, and MJF just like start the start start counting ring the bell like no when you've literally established every fucking match on your show doesn't actually start until they're both in the ring as seen by the Moxley Page debacle last week where they fought on the floor for seven fucking minutes mm-hmm. before rolling into the ring and that's when the bell rang mm-hmm. like seven, follow seven, your own fucking rules seven fourteen. Right. Uh, so we get Danielson with a bad cut. They haven't had blood splashing out of the camera. They got blood splashing out of the camera lens. That that. Uh, and what? Why? 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 Why was Aubrey going out onto the floor during the match? Fuck if I know. Like, bitch, referee one hundred and one. You either count out from the ring, or you don't do shit. You don't fucking start counting and then go, oh, no, they're not going to get back in. And jump down to outside to be like, oh, you got to get back in the ring so I can keep counting. Oh. No, that's not how this fucking works. What was that sound effect again? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Danielson eventually wins the match. I feel like, again, this is a match where they were fitting 10 pounds of shit into a five-pound bag, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, then MJF leaves commentary to knock out Danielson with the dynamite ring, and that's the end of the segment. Yep. And so then that was so that was four different segments that MJF was in, and that's three too many. Like they should have just done the match, and then had like f- had the camera follow him to the back and have him cut the promo like right in the back, right after the match, and just kept it as one flowing segment. Um, then they show Q and Murr from the Impractical Jokers backstage with Tony. The fuck, bro? They've, it's, it was just promoting their series premiere coming up. That's all it was. It's um, corporate synergy. So the, they've stolen Jericho's bat ahead of their season debut, which was actually Thursday night. My apologies. <laughs> um, which then makes Friday night Rampage look bad eventually, but we'll come back to that. Right. Um. My first note for the next match, of course, Kenny brings the fucking U.S. title to the ring with him. Ridiculous. After I had, didn't I compliment him the last time, though? Because he didn't bring it, and now for some reason he brought it to the ring this time? He like, probably forgot it the last time. Probably. Um, so the Elite retains over AR Fox in top flight in a uh, gymnastics display. I mean, a wrestling Dude, match. seriously. Like, it was, and I love AR Fox. I, I, I've always liked Fox. He's a great dude. But the bullshit in this match, that one spot where fucking Jackson was doing the O'Connor roll and he Northern Lights both the other two guys, like, fuck you. You weigh 175 pounds. Suck a dick. Yep. Um, then we get Stokely backstage with Lexi talking about Hook. Hook eventually walks up to Stokely from behind and they don't know what they're doing with the firm. Hurts his wrist kind of thing. I don't fucking know. 
Then we get to the main event of the evening. How this was the main event, I don't fucking know, but it was. Right, like there's no reason this should have been the main event. You have four greenhorns in there, and for some reason, there's a title attached to it. But Anthony Bowens, he said he did a Lunchables commercial years ago. Yay! Did you see that at all on Twitter the last few days? Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, out of the four of them, Anthony Bones is the only one with a lick of talent. Yeah. So, like you called, ref bump. Mm -hmm. Billy comes out. Mm -hmm. It looks like Austin's going to hit one of the guys with the belt. He takes the belt away from Austin. Hold up. Hold up. Once again. Once again. Remember what? Remember how I said, like, oh, you could have a house drop on them and they don't do shit. Right. But then you've got this. Dude, Bowens laid there acting knocked out from an arm drag for two and a half minutes while Ass Boy went outside to go get the belt and come back in. And then Ass Boy standing there threatening him, like, no, that's a basic fucking 101 heel shit. If you're going to do a belt spot like that and the dude is laid out on the ground, you don't sit there waiting with a hole in the belt. No, you take the belt and you go and drop it over the fucking guy's head and fucking do a leg drop. Do something. The dude is fucking motionless. There is no fucking, there's no, there's no attention. There, there's no suspense going. When you just say, I'm waiting. (laughs) I'm waiting for you to get up. Fucking idiots. Well, so. So Billy takes the belt away from Austin. And then Colton knocks down Billy from behind. Uh, mm-hmm. Match continues with no ref. It claimed has the match won, but Caster takes forever getting the ref back in. Colton pulls Bowens off the pin. What? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I fucking missed something here. It was uh, a whole bunch of roll through, roll through, roll uh, through right. shit. Austin kicks out a pinfall attempt. Colton hits Bowens with the belt behind the ref's back. And then Austin gets the roll up and the guns become the new tag champs. Why? Why? I have nothing for you on that. I don't know. So they can now. So in a company where they say we don't give automatic rematches. Now the acclaimed because Sockface had to say this isn't over between these two teams, which means this was just to set up a rematch for the tag titles at the damn pay-per-view. This was not worthy of being the main event on free TV. That means it's not worthy of being a pay-per-view match either. I'll have a Billy Gunn on a forklift match. I'm guessing that's what it's going to be. Or it's going to be like a custody of Billy Gunn match. And it's probably like it should be during the fucking buy-in because I'm sorry, but neither of these teams should be like, you know, it's, it's like Tony sits there and looks at his list of champions and he's like, ah, they've been champs for what? Five months now. Yeah. It's time to take it off him. Not even realizing that he hasn't built up anyone in the process. Like what have the guns done in the past four months to merit this other than get one cheap win over FTR. They've done nothing because then FTR didn't get their comeuppance because they fucking are sitting home and Dax Harwood is fucking sending clickbait out on a Twitter, which we'll get to. Yeah. Uh, it's 
they are too fucking green for this. Like the guns, you you watch these matches, and like every time I've seen them in there, like when they had like the one they they had the match where they were against Billy and the acclaimed or whatever, you could see Billy calling out every fucking move during that match, like openly audible. They can't, they don't know how to call on the fly. They don't know how to carry a match. They hardly know ring basics. They are there because of nepotism and nothing else. They are far too green. They should be, at this point in their career, they should be wrestling free Sunday afternoon shows at a local wrestling academy for 25 people to get, just to be able to learn how to work in front of people and to actually get the basics down. Like they do not belong on a national television stage in front of more than a thousand people on camera in this position. And neither does the acclaimed Bowens is starting to get it. Like I said, Bowens is the diamond in the rough. Max Caster knows how to be a 12 year old and that's it. And Max Caster has already burned every future bridge that he has seen in the distance. Once AEW folds, Max Caster has nowhere to go except WrestlePro in New Jersey, where he started. Well then, um, let's get to Rampage, aka the show you don't watch. Buck, no, I know they got their lo- they got a lower rating this week than they did last week. So the Combat Club beat Kip Sabian, the Butcher, and the Blade in six-man tag action. Uh, that representation was Mox, Yuta, uh, and Claudio. So, yeah, your ROH World Champion was on TV in six-man tag action. Mm-hmm. Then we're going to Darby and Sting pre-tape. And the quote at the end by Sting is, we're going to go out in a blaze of glory. Oi. Which brings me for a moment to this tweet. So, Foley in his podcast this week, I'll read the quote for you, JJ. Don't worry about reading it. Oh, okay. So, Foley was doing his podcast, and eventually Darby Allen came up. Oh, I heard about this, yeah. So, Mick basically was voicing concerns about Darby Allen. And one of the quotes was, quote, he probably should find a way to add layers to that character that doesn't necessitate taking those risks all the time. Exactly. Um, and if anyone knows about that, it's, it's McFoley. And what's interesting about saying that is the fact that about a quarter of a century before that, I don't know if you recall this. Um, so in the midst of the buildup for Mania 14, mm-hmm. they had a lot of stuff um, with Funk and Foley. Yep. And one of the things they did was an interview with the two of them, a pre-tape mm-hmm. interview with them. Yep. And one of the things Foley said in that interview was, I wonder what, uh, basically, he was essentially saying, I wonder what kind of legacy I'm leaving behind. Right. And now 25 years later, mm-hmm. love you, Mick, but this is, yeah, this you're kind of reaping what you sowed at that at this point. Um, then we're gonna Starks pre-tape about Jericho says he'll take out JAS one by one, starting with Garcia on Dynamite. 
Boy, seven labors of Jericho all over again. Um, then we get Q and Murr from Impractical Jokers coming out to the stage with the bat. Um, who and Jericho is at commentary, obviously, because it is Rampage. He does commentary for that. Jericho says his friends are going to reclaim the bat for him. So JAS comes out to surround them. They jump them. Because, you know, they're two, they're two comedians, you know, so wrestlers beat up comedians, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, Q actually did a, a, a good job as a John Q citizen selling. Murr had no fucking clue what he was doing. <laughs> uh, then a few of the JS members decided to go and grab a table from the back. Oh, yeah. Because, mm-hmm. you know, let's overkill this. Uh-huh. Uh, they put Q on the table as he continues to sell, and they powerbomb Murr through his partner and the table. <clears throat> and obviously they reclaim the bat. Uh, then we're going to Dustin pre-tape with Lexi about Swerve, saying he's coming for Swerve's blood and soul. Uh, and then that's when Boudreaux and the other schmuck hanging with Swerve, Trench. whatever the fuck his name is, I don't give a shit. Uh, they attack Dustin. Uh, and while Dustin is on the ground in pain selling swerve finally walks in uh, and says it's on next week. <clears throat> it's dynamite or rampage. I don't know fucking clue, but it's on. Uh, look at Ruby Soho beating Marina Shafir in singles action. You don't Storm- know me. St- huh? You don't know me. You think you know me, but you don't know me. Right. The fuck are you referring to? Remember the Marina Shafir promo on Dark from a few oh, months ago? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so after Ruby wins, Storm and Saray are starting to come down the ramp. Uh, Saray is talking shit on the mic. Uh, but then when they get to the bottom of the ramp, Baker and Hater come out of nowhere and jump those two before they hit the ring. And Ruby's just standing like, oh, okay. Uh, then we get Mark Briscoe backstage with Lexi, saying mm-hmm. we back on TV this coming week. Um, Smart Mark interrupts him to offer his services to Briscoe. Briscoe declines. Smart Mark offers his services again, but in a more demeaning way. Briscoe grabs Smart Mark by the suit, but then his crew, I don't even remember who the fuck the name of his crew is. They um, don't have a name. It's just this random smattering of Tony Nese and Josh Woods and uh, all them. Yeah. Well, they come in from behind and and pull Smart Mark away from Briscoe, and then Josh Woods jumps in and says, "Be careful!" He puts his hands on the Saint Sandy Fork. Whatever. Uh, then we get Jungle Boy beating Ryan Nemeth in a meaningless match, <laughs> and then Brian Cage comes out to the top of the ramp saying he isn't done with Jungle Boy because that's what we all need—a rematch between Cage and Jungle Boy. Boy, sure. Uh, then we get an Ortiz pre-tape talking about Eddie Kingston. Um, then we have Hangman backstage with Renee. How, why are they always putting him with Renee? Is that their way of trying to build heat between Mox and Hangman? Like, yeah. That's that's the dumbest shit alive. But anyways, even Hangman says something that at the beginning of the interview at one point. Like, why is it always you doing my interviews? Right. Like, I, I don't fucking know. Um, so Hangman's backstage. Renee says he isn't done with Mox, and then he gets interrupted by Kip Sabian for some fucking reason. Whatever. Uh, so then, that way he can have a squash match between now and the pay per view. Oh, probably. Uh, then 
a title match I didn't even know was fucking happening was the main event, but Orange Cassidy retains the All Atlantic title over Lee Moriarty. <laughs> um, but then after the match, uh, Lethal's, Lethal and Jarrett's music hits. Satnam Singh comes out to the top of the ramp to provide the distraction as Lethal and Jarrett come in from the crowd side of the of the ring. Lethal takes out Orange and Dan Housen with the Golden Globe and in mm-hmm. those quotes. Best friends try to make the save. They get taken out by the Golden Globe, too. And then right as Jarrett's ready to hit... Uh, who the fuck? Oh, Danhausen. They're mm-hmm. getting ready to hit Danhausen with the fucking guitar. Uh, the acclaimed run down with steel chairs in their hand, and they chase off Lethal and Jarrett. What? It, it, the... Yeah, we're circling back to that again, it looks like. I don't fucking know what to tell you. They just lost the titles. They should be focusing on the Asboids, but instead they're going to interject themselves into this program. Yeah, apparently. Which Jarrett and Lethal are already outnumbered by Orange and the best friends of Dan House. Technically, yes, you are correct. That That's basic mathematics, yes. Four like, even, two, like, I okay, checked. yeah, you got eight-foot-tall fucking Zippy. It doesn't matter because he can't fucking he work. He was even in the fucking ring. Right. Until like, he was picking up Danhausen to hold him for the guitar shot. Like, this is terrible. And um, no, go ahead. So, well, I'll let you. I'll let you finish, but because I, I, I don't think I, I, I mentioned it to you, but I figured out the entire Tony Khan booking system over the past week. Oh God, I don't. I, why did you put your brain to that use? It didn't take much effort. Oh well, the, okay, go ahead. So this is the Tony Khan booking method. The crowd starts reacting to to someone. Tony will sit there and just let it play out until it's reached a point where it's like, oh, well, they're actually cheering for them when they should be. So now I'm going to give them uh, now I'm going to give them some title match wherever they're at. And that way, if they win the titles, then I'm not going to give them any, I'm not going to give them anything future for it. Cause that was my end game was win the titles. That's always his end game is the, the chase gets to the finish line and then he has nothing for the next act. And that has been his problem with every champion thus far. Now, the way he books out the shows, if they're going to have a job match on rampage or dynamite, as in, local talent doing the job those local talent miss magically get a win on youtube just so when they're on tv they can say well they're a credible contender because they won a match on dark and then what happens is whenever he's setting up one of these giant long ass you have to go through eight thousand people to get to this guy because that and tournaments are his only two stories that he fucking knows how to fucking write He will always take the person that hasn't been on TV forever and he will give them one win on Dark and then one win on Rampage so the following Dynamite, they look credible even though that's not how that fucking works. Rinse, lather, repeat. That is the entire Tony Khan booking system. Congratulations on cracking the code. Like that it's and it's it's because that's what he did with the fucking EFED. Because you sit there and you go, okay, well, in order to get them on the main show, you gotta have them get a win on the on the miter show before you put them up. That's EFED bullshit. That doesn't calculate to real life. 
Yeah. You and I know this. Good luck telling the basement goblins and the and, and the fucking cult of aliens. So before I give the preview for Dynamite this week, which mm-hmm. is tonight, uh, a few things. Number one, we haven't touched on it yet. Willow Watch! Once again, for the third week in a row now, Thursday. nowhere to be found. Not even on YouTube. But Parker and Menard got another win on YouTube. And the Dark Order got a win on YouTube. And there was some, oh, hold on. There was some ridiculous ass match that I saw. And I went, what are you talking about? Uh, let's see. Oh, no. So Dalton and the boys had a tag match. The six-man tag. Their opponents were named Jay Lucas, Larry Lazard, and Terry Yaki. Like, that's as bad as Bill Ding. Oh, man. Um... Anyways, AEW reaches a deal with ESPN to broadcast AEW in Australia, New Zealand, and the Pacific Islands. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to bother reading that press release because who fucking cares? Apparently, the people in those sections are kind of mad because apparently that ESPN package is like the most expensive thing that you have to that, that you that that they have to pay for. Well, well I want to get you angry again, so hang on. Here we go. You want to discuss how uh, AEW Fight Forever is rated T for teen? <laughs> I'm yeah. gonna read. I'm gonna read the rating summary. I'm gonna stop the part that I know makes you angry. Yeah, because I sent it to you. Rating summary: This is a wrestling game in which players compete in matches with wrestlers from the AEW roster. Players use punches, kicks, and grappling maneuvers to drain their opponent's health. In some match types e.g. barbed wire, stadium stampede unsanctioned, players can use barbed wire, baseball bats, metal chairs, and Molotov cocktails! Fucking seriously. When? When? Has a Molotov cocktail ever been introduced into a a wrestling match, let alone on AEW? In general, when? I don't even think FMW did that shit. Like, I want to give a call to Onita, be like, yeah, motherfucker ever do a goddamn Molotov cocktail in your shit? Like, that that's like, that's literally like, when Cornette's like, what are you going to do? Set him on fire? Like, <laughs> well, and, and like, and it showed a graphic of fucking Twinkle Toes holding the Molotov cocktail like two inches away from the dude. Like, you realize if you throw a Molotov cocktail at a person at that short distance, you're going to catch fire too. You can't just take it and smash it over their head like a bar, like a beer bottle in a bar, because you both catch fire. <laughs> like it's just so unbelievably fucking stupid. What? And they want, apparently, they want sticky bombs. So they decide with with Molotov cocktails instead. <laughs> apparently, now that it, now that it has a it has a a a, 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 a rating. Now the gaming community has gotten a whiff of this and they are they are tearing it apart online. Like people who have, have no interest in wrestling look at this and they're like, you're fucking kidding, right? Like, 
This isn't GTA. <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous. I got nothing for you, man. Um, all right, the preview for tonight. This is a big ass fucking graphic. Um <clears throat> can't wait to get to this last one, I'm gonna say. Uh hey, what do you know? You were right. Hangman against Kip Sabian one on one. Hangman gets a win, so that way he can continue his shit going into the pay-per-view. Triple threat match. Tony Storm versus Ruby Soho versus Britt Baker. So that, and it's no DQ, lazy booking, so that way Soraya can come out and then and then Hater can come out and it turns into a giant clusterfuck. And will Ruby make a decision? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Uh, Adam Cole, he pre-taped with Renee Paquette last week in a sit-down interview, and they're not showing it until tonight for some reason. Don't care. MJF is contractually obligated to appear in Laredo tonight. But he was on TV last week. How is it a contractual obligation? I don't fucking know. That, that's, that's, that's poor fucking storytelling by the booker. Uh, another sit-down interview. This one's going to be with Wardlow and Jim Ross. Oh, boy. So Wardlow can talk about... How he wants to come after Joe for scalping him and making him look like a prison bitch. Oh, you were you were a slobber knocker in college. Um <laughs> uh Brian Cage goes one on one with Jungle Boy. Jungle Boy. Briscoe versus Josh Woods. Briscoe. And that is a waste of Mark Briscoe. Remember, I said when this all when this all came down, I said if Mark if Mark decides to stay in this business and not walk away, push this dude to the fucking moon. Instead, they gave him a main event match against Jay Lethal, which was wonderful because the two of them called it. And now he's getting a throwaway match against a guy who hasn't had any wins on TV except for a win on YouTube this past week. Speaking of Jay Lethal, eight-man tag action. Orange Cassidy, the acclaimed and daddy ass against Jeff Jarrett, Jay Lethal, Satnam Singh, and Sanjay Dutt. Ugh. Terrible. What's wrong with best friends at Danhausen? They're just there. They're, it's, they're they're the comic relief. Like they don't, be, and that's the problem. Like Danhausen sells all this merch and everything, but you never see like the two times you've seen him wrestle on TV, he's gotten squashed in thirty seconds. Why, why aren't they Orange's teammates for this eight man tag? Because reasons. Then we get to the main event. I'm well. Correction. I don't know if it's going to be the main event, but it's the main header match. Mm-hmm. We're in Laredo, so we gotta have a Texas tornado match. Why? Would you like to guess who any of the four competitors are? Oh, there's four people. Oh, it's a tornado tag. Yeah. So I'm guessing it's Kingston and Ortiz versus nope. Brody. No. 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 Huh. I'll tell you this. If I recall correctly. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure there's like next to zero booking involved with this being a match. Okay. Just think of big name baby faces for for the one team. 
I have no fucking clue. For a Texas Tornado tag match, one name should pop immediately because that's just his style, man. Moxley. Oh, okay. So what? It's Moxley and, and Claudio? Yep. Against who the fuck is Blackpool bitching with now? Uh, I have no clue. Roosh and Preston Vance. That is literally a zero build match. Thank you. Thank you very much. But here we go. We need, and there's already one no DQ match on the show. So you got two no DQ matches on the show. Mox is going to bleed. We know that's going to happen. No. Roosh and fucking, uh, and uh, (laughs) Roosh just lost. Roosh hasn't gotten any wins on TV. (laughs) And it's just, it's, it goes back to the same bullshit. Like, the Tony Khan booking system. If I if I don't have any storylines going on that make sense, I just throw a big fucking no DQ schmaz in as the main event. Prime example, Cody versus Andrade. There was literally no feud between them. And I, just throw that in there. I provide some... Uh... I throw a comparison out here for you real quick. Sure. So I'm trying to find, I mean, a prime example of a match of that match that could work that, I mean, it doesn't deserve main event status, but at least it would fit in with shit that's going on is have it be Ricky Starks and action Andretti versus Guevara and Garcia. Right. Where, oh, where? Hold on, give me a sec. I don't know why I can't find. Okay, so. This is as of last Wednesday. Okay. As of last Wednesday, a third of the building in Laredo tonight Mm -hmm. was still available. Mm -hmm. 3,003 tickets were distributed. Mm -hmm. 1,450 were still available. Now, and that's distributed, which includes resellers. Correct. Now, let me give you. Um, updated here. Also, even though they have another month to sell these tickets, another four weeks to sell these tickets. <laughs> You're welcome. And there's 1,600 left to sell. AEW announced what I think it was yesterday. They're now offering a buy one, get one free deal for their show in Winnipeg, Manitoba, which is the home fucking town of Jericho and Omega. And the reason they're doing that is because um, I'm I know I know StubHub can't, but I'm not sure about the others there. They can't do reseller stuff in Canada. So that's why they're offering the buy one, get one from the main office. Then <laughs> bear with me for a second here. I'm trying mm-hmm. to oh, like New Japan, they still have four uh, four tickets available, but that's <laughs> they're 
platinum package tickets worth three fifty apiece. Fuck that shit. All that's left. Um, Revolution, which is coming up in two weeks from Sunday mm-hmm. in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. As of four hours ago, over twenty nine hundred seats still left in a ninety eight hundred seat venue. And remember, that's yeah, the big four pay per views. The they sell out instantly. Meanwhile, in a similar sized venue for SmackDown <laughs> over a week before WrestleMania in Las Vegas, WWE only has 725 tickets left to sell. Right. And for comparison's sake to a pay-per-view, um, Elimination Chamber this weekend. Give me a sec here. Scrolling mm-hmm. back down to the picture here. Rolling, rolling, rolling. Keep that colon flowing. <clears throat> Elimination Chamber. A 14,000 seat setup arena. Mm-hmm. And this is as of this is as of last Thursday, so six days ago. Mm-hmm. 300 tickets left. Yep. 300. Yep. One of these things is not like the other. And out of the over 13,600 sold already at that point, only 900 were resale. Right. Which means roughly 12.5 were straight up. Mm-hmm. And they'll get that last uptick the like the week of. Oh, of course. Especially right. the more they put Sami Zayn on TV like they have been. Exactly. But yeah, it's just that they're <laughs> everyone's thinking, oh, AEW is doing so. They are not doing well. Like they they are on the TNA freaking downward slope. That they they are. It's the same thing that happened when Dixie decided to be completely hands on with the company. It's throwing money at XWWE guys and throwing money at all the talent possible, and running in arenas that are too big. And taking a loss on them and then claiming that you're winning and this, that, the other thing to try to deter the fact that you are not doing well. Question. I mean, like, oh, yes. Which TNA downswing are you referring to? <laughs> you have to be a little more specific, sir. I would say the the super bad one that happened in like 2014, 2015, where... so. They were running like there were pictures of empty arenas like the day of the show. Like there's like 25 people in the crowd and to the fact where it got so bad that they had to start running and running televised shit in American Legion halls with a 14 foot ring. That was let me think. It was around 2015 because that was when I was supposed to have Greenhorns helping me fucking flyer for our shows, but decided to go to the fucking Impact show in Ulster County and hang out in the crowd, thinking that's how they're going to get uh, get an in into Impact because that's so this what... is just after Bischoff left. Basically, you're talking about yeah, because Bischoff left in 14. Mm-hmm. That's about right. All right. Uh, I think that covers everything. Well, the, 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 let's talk about Dax Harwood and his bullshit. Oh, go ahead. So, Dax Harwood released a tweet 
where he was showing a bottle of tequila on his desk and the whole thing was like, oh, I finally got a hold of this tequila. And it shows all his title belts hanging on the wall. And there, just out of frame, is the corner of a piece of paper. And on the bottom was a WWE logo. And he kept that up for about an hour and then deleted it and then recropped the picture and put the tweet back up. But that way, everyone got a picture and got it. Oh, my God. This is clickbait bullshit. Now, I have no doubt, as I said to Brian when I first saw it, I have no doubt that they're going to end up back in WWE sometime during the summer. I have no doubt because they're going to try doing the indie thing and they're going to find out that they're charging too much. And then Trips is going to be like, you got to come in or what? And they're going to take it. And they're going to have to eat shit for a bit because Scott Dawson doesn't know how to keep his fucking mouth shut. So, the reason I say it's clickbait is because WWE paperwork doesn't have a giant ass logo on the bottom of the page. It's a third of the page. WWE letterhead will have that little logo on the top in like 14 point font. Not 72 point font at the bottom. Anybody that believes that shit, I'm sorry. I've got a bridge in Brooklyn to fucking sell you. I am not, I, 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 I can't defend it. I have nothing. <laughs> I, it was just utterly ridiculous. Like, and then he, and then, and when he recropped the picture, you could still see the little corner paper. Like, I'm sorry, but if you're trying to advertise for this bottle of tequila, why would anything be on your desk? Why would, and why would you do it a slant? What, like, oh, okay, I understand you want to show off your belts because you're a mark for yourself, but like, it, <laughs> The desk was completely clear except for this piece of paper. Like, dude, shut the fuck up. No one's buying it. No one with a brain is buying it. It's just, it's fucking ridiculous. I just can't believe it. And oh, yeah. And uh, uh, Tony Khan was on uh, somebody's podcast. I forget who. When he talked about, oh, there's a war going on. Oh, with the tampering bullshit? Oh, yes. Yes, that too. That was part of it. But yeah, like at first it was just, oh, there's oh, a war. It was the Dan Lebertard show. Yeah. Like there's a war between us and we don't like each other. And dude, shut up. There is no war. You've been on the losing end of this shit since you started. You tried to claim victory because you beat the developmental brand and ratings and you only squeaked by on beating them. Like, it's not like you were trouncing them and getting double their numbers. You were beating them by 100,000 people. Yippity fucking yay. And then, <laughs> yeah, there's like, oh, there's contract tampering. There's guys that have come to me and told me. No, there is no contract tampering. Hunter brought back the people he wanted to bring back, and they were all people that were either working in Impact or not working anywhere. Like, he, re like... He, Hunter knows how to do that shit Tony Khan does not but this is what he has to fall back on to try to get clickbait now that the football season is over and his team didn't get past the divisional playoff 
Because that was going to be his bread and butter was if they got to the Super Bowl, he could be like, oh, it's an AEW belt instead of WWE belt. Fuck off. Didn't happen. Well, like a dick. just to give you a little inside scoop on Levitard. Levitard is a Miami, he's a Miami native who was national with ESPN for the longest time. But now he's no longer affiliated with ESPN. And he's, um, <clears throat> how should I say this? Uh, There's a reason he's not with ESPN anymore. He's an avid defender of Florida-based shit. Uh. Um, so it shouldn't come to any shock for you <laughs> at this point going forward <laughs> that Tony was on that particular show. Yeah. Trust a Farian. All right. Where do you want to go with WWE to start off? Uh, it's just I, let's. Where, where did we end last week? We covered, well, we, we covered NXT. This is the second week in a row we, we uh, are on a Wednesday right now, so we so covered, we covered NXT. Raw. So you want to start with SmackDown and then... Yeah, let's start Raw. with SmackDown. All right. SmackDown from last Friday. Begin I with Heyman. Huh? I said I believe I caught most of it. So Heyman opened in the ring with a promo. Sammy surprised him from behind to interrupt. Um... It's Sammy and Heyman. Like, what more do you want me to fucking say? It was good. Uh, then we got Drew and Sheamus beating Hit Row. So now Hit Row is becoming job, job guys. Yep. Uh, then the Viking, there was a Viking Raiders vignette that played after the match while Drew and mm-hmm. Sheamus were still in the ring. I tell you, those are really well produced. I really like them. I like to know who's producing those. They are good. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we get Jimmy Uso backstage on the phone, leaving a message for Jay. Uh, Cross and Scarlet promo about the four-way later on in the show. Then Lacey Evans wins a squash match over some Cameron Harris. Her name is uh, she. She works under the name. Uh, oh fuck! Hold on, I have her written down. Because at first I thought it was Little Mean Kathleen, but it wasn't. It's a girl from. It's a girl from um, Maryland. And uh, let's see here. Hold on, hold on. I can find it real quick. Where the fuck were they even? Where were they for the show? It had to be somewhere around New York because oh, they, they were, were... Mo- they were Mohegan's son. That's right. That's right. There, which is why I thought it was Little Mean Kathleen at first, but uh, because she worked the Mohegan shows for um, AEW when they did the Rampage there, mm-hmm. SmackDown. Here we go. Becca B three C C A Becca. She's actually the she's the Maryland Championship Women's Champion right now. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know the name. Uh, Then we get Jimmy and Heyman backstage, uh, basically talking about how Jay is supposed to be there for the tag title match and whatever. Mm -hmm. So it looks like Jimmy's going to go out alone. Right. Uh, Then we get Sonya complaining to Pierce backstage about elimination not being in the elimination chamber match. Mm -hmm. Chelsea Green interrupts, basically to say the same thing, Mm -hmm. and then Pierce is like, "Fuck you both." You're tagging tonight. Right. And books them against Liv and Raquel. Uh, then we get the tag, the SmackDown tag title match. Braun and Ricochet come out first. Then Jimmy comes out alone. And then right uh, during ring introductions, as Samantha Urban's about to introduce Jimmy as, as, on his own, mm-hmm. Jay comes walking down through the crowd, gets in the ring, hugs Jimmy, all is good in the world. And For now. And the Osos end up retaining in the match. And it was a good match. I, my, the high point about that match was Wade Barrett saying yeeting. <laughs> yeah, 
I, I died. Accent, it was yes. I fucking died. Which brings me to a question, by the way. Yeah. So McAfee shows up for the Rumble and then just disappears all over again? I'm pretty sure he's like, uh, he showed up for the Rumble, but I'm pretty sure they have it set for him to come back like at a set date. Probably. You're probably right. Like just to, just to, you know, so he can get all his affairs in order. <sighs> probably. Then we get Ray backstage with a promo about Cross and about the four way. Uh, then we get the Usos walking backstage. Jay telling Jimmy he's got his back, but he still doesn't know if he's in or out of the bloodline yet. Jay leaves. Mm-hmm. Heyman heard what Jay was saying because he was standing behind a pillar. Mm-hmm. I didn't know Heyman was able to hide. <laughs> it was a big-ass pillar. Uh, and then he played dumb when he approached Jimmy mm-hmm. after Jay had already left. Then we get... Fuck, God. I cringe every time this person has a microphone in their hand. We got Natalia in the ring. Mm-hmm. Talking trash about Shayna Baszler. Mm-hmm. Calling her... What? Uh, Wanna be Ronda Rousey is out the line she used. Basically. Uh, real fucking creative girl. I mean, it's uh, true. So, Shayna was doing... Never mind. Uh, so Shayna never got as big as Ronda did in the MMA world. Doesn't matter if she was doing it beforehand. She got. She was never as big as Ronda got. So Shayna comes out to respond. Then Ronda comes out, doesn't mm-hmm. say anything because Ronda's just a bitch. Uh-huh. Uh, Ronda helps Shayna jump Natalia. Then Shotzi tries to make the save, doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And they and show this Jay- is all just build for probably a four way for the women's tag titles at Mania. Fuck if I know. Uh, then they show Jay walk in the parking lot alongside of a bunch of fucking eighteen wheelers, basically. Yeah, uh, all those, all, all those, all the. Uh... Trucks that production carry all the trucks. equipment. Production trucks. Yes, yes. Uh, he comes across Sammy. Sammy. Uh, Sammy. Sammy thanks him Sam for. He thanks, he thanks Jay for walking out at, at the Rumble and uh, says, I acknowledge you, Jay. I acknowledge you. <laughs> I acknowledge you, man. Good TV. Um, then we get LA Knight backstage with Megan. For a, a nothing thirty second thing, it's basically for it. It was just basically for LA Knight to be like, "Shit with Bray is over with. I'm gonna try and start a feud with someone else now." Never fighting him again. You right. scared me. Um. Then we get Liv Raquel beating Sonya and Chelsea because we all know Sonya and Chelsea weren't gonna coexist. Right. Uh. Then we get Madcap and Emma being all gaga Google to each other backstage. <sighs> oh, it gets better. I know. Uh, then we get the Charlotte pre-tape interview with Cole about Rhea at Mania. Mm-hmm. Then we get probably the flattest reaction to any main event I've seen in a while. Uh-huh. So you got Rey Mysterio. Mm-hmm. You got Karrion Cross. Mm-hmm. You got Santos Escobar. Mm-hmm. But no... We're going to have Madcap Mosser in the Intercontinental title shot. It's like the worst possible choice out of the four. Like, if you're going to do something like that, don't put guys the caliber of the other three guys in that fucking spot. Like, I was honestly expecting Mysterio to win. And that way they could do him and Gunter could have a decent match and Dom somehow fucks him over in the end. 
and it would have been fine, and that would have continued the way. The crosses, like the thing with Cross and Santos, is they're both heels, and you you don't want to do a heel heel match. But I mean, like it's just the worst. No one, nobody. This is the dude that fucking is was able to take out everyone who was in a semi main event spot. And Madcap Moss. Santos, are we sure Santos and Legato are actually heel anymore? Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. They kind of started flipping baby because Hit Row. Plus, let, let they, plus they I forgot about that. Plus, they showed a digital exclusive after the fact on social media, where Santos has a sit down with Ray, where basically Santos acknowledges his respect for Ray and gives. Oh, him, okay. He gives Ray a mask. I don't know exactly which mask it was, but it was probably know. his. It was probably his King Cuerno mask. Probably, and then Ray presents Santos with a mask as well. Oh, okay. I missed that. Uh, okay, so yeah, so Legato or baby faces. So okay, so I mean, you could have done Santos, but it like it's just of all the fucking people, like it may. It, but notice the unbalanced booking there too. You had three baby, three faces baby faces and one, one heel. Yeah. Same thing with one of the chamber matches too, because I think one of them has four baby faces and two heels. I think. Uh huh. I can't remember which one it is. We'll get to it though. Yeah. Um. I want to say it's the women's. Yeah. Um but like like and but and so it's like so so okay, so we've got a main event or a or, or a nine o'clock hour match for next week on SmackDown. Yippity fucking yay. Like the mad like Mad Cat Moss was a second banana. You're, you're the killing second the, the suspension of disbelief, is what they're right. Doing. Exactly. Like, no, do you like, really think Madcap's gonna fucking beat Gunter? Do you really exactly. think is gonna sit there and go, you know what? That title would look good around the waist of Mad Cat Moss. Right. No, he's not fucking doing that. You know, that that would be like in the in the early 90s, like like there, there there's a tear going on, like like fucking trying to think here. Like when when Michaels was the Intercontinental Champion and taking out everyone mm -hmm. and then they're just like, oh, here's a here's a challenger that's going to take him out. And it's Tito Santana. Not even El Matador anymore. No, as El Matador. Oh. Or that, even that, that fucking actually happened. No, he was Intercontinental oh. Champion before he was El Matador. Well, I'm just... No. Yeah. No, because they wrestled at WrestleMania 8 against each other when he was El Matador, and then Sean was IC champ later that year. Right. I'm saying when Tito was Intercontinental Champion oh, before whoa, 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 the El Matador game. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and yeah, at, at WrestleMania like, eight, at WrestleMania eight, Sean Sean was just starting his singles push. Right. But yeah, and Tito was the de facto babyface to beat, just like Mania seven, and how they had Taker face Snuka. No one was expecting Snuka to win. Right. You know that's that's that level of that that's that level of Madcap Moss is at right now. He's he's in that Terry Taylor, Lance Cassidy, uh, Brooklyn Brawler type spot. Terry Taylor. Barry Horowitz. Horowitz took a bit to build, but Terry Taylor was like that draw the line mid card guy. And Jim Powers was another one. Draw the line at the mid card where they could, they're, they're there to do the job, but once in a while you give them a win. Oh, what about, um, who am I thinking of? Oh my God, WCW 90s. Um, Alex Wright? No, no. Which is funny because I just watched a thing the other day about the Paul Roma matches. Yep, Super Bowl. I, I thought I sent that to you. 
it just happened to show up on my YouTube. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I was scrolling through YouTube and also I'm like, huh? Yeah. No. Yeah. I watched that. Yeah. If I remember this, not not worth getting into. Right, um, right. Scott Armstrong, I think, is the name I'm thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. Scott Armstrong or even Brad Armstrong. Brad. Yes. Yeah. Brad's the one I was thinking of. Okay. Yes. Yeah. But because Scott and the other Armstrong brother, I forget, were, would tag as the Armstrongs. And right. they were just basically there as enhancement, but they would get a win once in a while on Worldwide. And it would right. be really weird because like forever they were baby faces. And then like on a random Worldwide, they were heels for some reason. And then they went back to being baby faces in the next taping. Yeah. Dumb shit. Yeah. Uh, we officially end SmackDown, though, with Jimmy and Heyman backstage. Paul says he just got the phone with Roman, says Roman wants the Usos to stay home next weekend because, and it's an exact quote that ends the show, sometimes you see things on TV that you can't see live. Which is a smart thing because that, that's what Cornette's always complaining about is that they're showing these backstage segments like there's no camera there and then no one knows what's going on. Whereas here they actually acknowledged it. Mm-hmm. And Roman's at home watching live and he sees this shit happening. And that's a very smart thing to do. That that covers up that plot hole. You just get out that spackle, and there it goes. The spackle. Yeah. Listen to you. Uh, all right. So we get through SmackDown. Uh, the go-home SmackDown, obviously, is this Friday. Elimination Chamber mm-hmm. Saturday. We'll get into the Chamber card in a yeah. second. And they were, they, were, they were smart enough to write off Jimmy and Jay because they can't get into Canada right now. Right. So that works. Correct. Correct. Uh, so we get into Raw this past Monday at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. And we open with Paul Heyman again. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. No. No. My oh, Becky. Heyman opened, uh, like, I think the second hour. My apologies. Yeah. Um, we opened with Becky. Becky and Pierce are in the ring. That's what mm-hmm. it is. Crowd's uh, Becky- booing Adam Pierce for some reason, even though he hasn't done anything heelish lately. Right. So Becky and Pierce are in the ring. Then Bailey interrupts. Then Bianca interrupts. And Pierce decides, fuck this shit. Triple threat match between the three of you. If Becky or Bailey win, they are the seventh person in the Elation Chamber. It'll start as a triple threat. If Bianca wins, the chamber match stays as is. That and that was just overbooking in general. Like the, the Elimination Chamber is already an overbooked match. That would have just added more chaos to it. And it's it, I don't know. I feel like I don't know the reason why they did this, especially because the way the, the, the way the outcome happened later, like, I don't understand. Like it wasn't just, we need a filler spot and we need women that draw ratings and that's it. Which is funny because when this match got booked, see, I didn't, I didn't, I'll fully admit, I didn't get to watch raw until earlier today on my DVR, but that's okay. Cause you know something I'll openly admit I fell asleep when Cody Rhodes came out. Legit. I woke up at 1.30 in the morning. Hmm, what a coincidence. Anyways, um, but I remember you messaging me mm-hmm. when this happened um, while I was working the basketball games I was working that night. Mm-hmm. And the immediate thought that popped in my head was maybe they're regretting booking the six individuals they booked into that match. That's exactly what I was saying with Shell. Because like, I, was like, person, I was thinking that they could have not, they would have not been disappointed in, would have been Asuka, and the rest are just kind of like, eh, okay, okay. Right. Okay, they could have okay. easily avoided this by not fucking letting the homewrecker win that last spot on Friday. Touche. 
um, <laughs> the home wrecker. Why? What she I, is? I, I, right. Um. Then we got Judgment Bay backstage. Judgment Bay. Judgment, Judgment Bay. Bay. Judgment Chris Day. Chris Bay comes out. This is my shit now, motherfucker. Right. Uh, Judgment Day backstage with Byron. Uh, then eventually Finn and Damian beat the Street Profits. Judgment Day attacked the Profits after the sh- after the match. By Judgment Day, I mean Dom comes in. Mm-hmm. And this was actually this was smart as far as a way to set up going into the chamber because obviously the second the second they had the tag match going, I said Finn's going to get the pin on Dawkins because that's the only logical thing to do because Priest is in the chamber. Ford is in the chamber. Mm-hmm. Finn has his tag match. So none of them can do the job in this. So Ford's going to take the, Ford's going to take the pin, not Ford. Uh, Dawkins oh. is going to take the pin. And you don't want to give it to Damien because you just you have to keep him neutral going into the into the pod. So mm-hmm. Finn takes the pin in that way. Finn is looking a little bit stronger going into the pay-per-view. So Dom jumps in with the other two to jump the profits. Edge and Beth come out to even the odds. Then Rhea arrives and puts down Beth. Can I just uh, say, I am already sick and tired of Blanket and the fucking prison talk. It got old. Sick. It got old super fucking fast, and now it's just terrible. Why do you think he has all the go-away heat that he keeps getting? He has the go-away heat because he's Dominic Mysterio and people wanted to boo him for the last two years, but they wouldn't because Ray was with him. But the shit from the last month is just added onto it. Yeah. I mean, it's like... The The booze... Let me put it this way. The booze have only gotten more profound and louder to me since the stupid Mm -hmm. bullshit. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then we get Brock going to the ring for the contract signing. I tried to figure out who it was. And we have a security detail coming out and lining both sides of the aisle way. The only only two I could, I could determine were Teddy, Rex Lawless Lawless and Teddy Goods. Well, Rex stands out like, uh, right. It's hard for him not to stand out in a crowd. Let's put it that way. Exactly. Um, I mean, good on them for getting a paycheck. uh, Then a couple producers bring out a table and a chair to the top of the stage. Then Bobby comes out, and uh, he's chilling on the stage. They're calling it mind games. It's it's just fucking stupid. Um, but anyways, Brock is laying out the security detail to try and get Bobby to, to get to Bobby so he can sign the contract. Then Lashley put takes him out and then signs the contract eventually. It seems like they're swinging Lashley heel again. Well, yeah. And this match, the problem is this match is going to end in a schmoz. Because we all know it's it's going to be a schmaz and the payoff is going to be at Mania. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a double DQ. I'm calling it right now. It's either double DQ or just DQ, like like double count out, something stupid. Double like count out. Hurt business shows up, like because they keep teasing that shit, which I don't see working because hurt business with Omos does not work. It just doesn't fucking work. And hurt business is not. It's it, they're not. Shelton and and. Cedric are not showing up during that match this Saturday. Exactly. And the, like, cause MVP did an interview where he's like, I want to do her business for the blood versus the bloodline. You can want ah! all you fucking can. Ah! It doesn't mean there's going to be money in it. Get the fuck out of here. When do you like, do that? That's why everyone's like, they really screwed up on the hurt. business. Time blah, out. Blah, blah, blah. Time out. Okay. When the fuck did he say this? 
It was in an interview he did, I think, with Rosenberg this past oh, week. Oh, fuck off. Fuck off. Yeah. But, Jesus. Yeah, no, because and I, I, I said this back when it started, but everyone was like, oh, they really screwed up by breaking up the Hurt Business. The Hurt Business is the hottest thing. The Hurt Business didn't sell a fucking nickel worth of fucking merch. And it was during fucking Thunderdome time when they started. So the only thing they had to go on was TV views and merch. And nobody cared. There's guys that got over during Thunderdome era. Hurt Business was not one of them. Like, I'm sorry, but no fucking merch moved. Like, all those ugly ass gold on black shirts. No one was wearing them. Nobody. They were on clearance on WWE shop fucking right away. And that is the fucking measuring stick right now. So everyone's like, oh my God. No, the only thing that benefits of putting the Hurt Business together is so Cedric doesn't talk because he's terrible at talking. And so Shelton can get some more TV time. Like, and, and so Bobby doesn't talk because Bobby can't fucking talk either. Right. But like, there's, there's no reason for it. And like, and, and here's, here's, here's the scenario. Like people are like, oh, they need to put the Hurt Business back together. So that way Bobby has backup when he faces Brock. Yeah. You know what? So then Brock can bury three other guys by tossing them around like they're fucking infants at Mania. That doesn't do a lick of help for anybody. I know. You know, it's just like fucking poor New Day when they had to do the three-on-one against Brock and Japan and made them look like shit and it took them months to recover. You know, poor Ricochet still hasn't recovered from that fucking championship match in Saudi. Uh, yeah. That's, yeah. Just, mm-hmm. I don't know why you're racist. I don't know why you're such a fucking hard-on for that, but whatever it's because it was it was a stable and we need more stables because AEW has 18,000 stables that don't do anything um now we got piper niven beating me again in a filler fluffer one-on-one match basically unfortunately i missed that because my dvr didn't record raw so i had to watch the hulu replay which is only two hours long so that was one of the matches they cut shocker it was what it was. They also cut whoever Bronson Reed faced. Uh, I'll get to that. It was during the last hour. Oh, okay. Uh, then we got Baron Corbin backstage with Kathy, but before Baron can answer the first question, they are interrupted by Sammy showing up in the ring looking for Cody. And then those two had a promo, and Cody basically ends it by saying he doesn't want to see Sammy on Raw next week. He wants to see him at WrestleMania. Which... When you think about it, doesn't make sense because if in a fantasy world, if Sami Zayn were to beat Roman Reigns in Montreal and win the undisputed championship, then that would begin the final road to WrestleMania, in which case it would be a series of segments of the two contenders facing each other and the contract signing and all that shit. So he'd still fucking see about Raw. Like it, 
This is why I fucking hate Cody. Then we get a weird backstage segment quick between Carmella, Nikki Cross, Asuka, and Candice. That I did not see that. It was random and I don't fucking know. Carmella basically, Car- Carmella basically calling Nikki weird. Nikki's just kind of like, yeah, yeah, being Nikki. And then coming in behind Carmella is Asuka and all her get up. And she eventually takes off the mask and shows the face paint. And Carmella's like, you fucking weird and walks away. And then Candace walks in and asks Nikki what's going on with the follow me backstage and shit that's been going on. And Nikki just doesn't say anything and just walks away. It's just fucking it was very weird 60 seconds, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> uh, then Kathy and Corbin try again. Baron starts talking crap about Cody and his family. Cody happened to be there because <sighs> it was right past Gorilla. Um, Once again, Cody can't do shit unless it's I'm Dusty's son. Cody attacks Baron all the way down to the ring, has a ref follow them to the ring. They have an impromptu match, and Cody wins. Yeah, makes Corbin look like shit. Corbin got zero offense in once the bell rang. Corbin's been looking like shit for a month now, so... Right, but, like, give him a hope spot, for fuck's sake. And, like, there was no need for the Dusty thing. It's just because that's all that Cody can go off of. They could have very well fucking had Corbin just talking about Cody Rhodes' joke, blah, 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 while Cody's in the back, and Cody walks right up to him and goes, we got a problem? And Corbin just turn and fucking sucker punch him. And then you can brawl out to the ring. You don't need to throw in the shit about Dusty and fucking Goldust. Because that's all Cody ever fucking hitches to. Fair. Uh, Then we get Liv, Raquel, and Natalia backstage before their match. Which ultimately ends with Asuka, Carmella, and Nikki winning. Because Asuka makes... Live tap? Yeah, that sounds right. Oscar makes live tap. That sounds right. Hmm. Um, then we get Alpha. We get Alpha Academy backstage. Did not see this. Otis is eating a hot dog. Chad Gable takes the hot dog out of his hand and tosses it off camera. Then they pan over. Maximum male miles is there. Monsoor has mustard all over him now. And then, uh, so the Max- poor academy is gonna have to carry maximum male models for a short Maxine formally introduces herself to Otis finally, uh, and basically gives him a sales pitch about becoming a model, gives him his, her business card. Maximum male models walks off. Boy, just yeah, I can't. Uh, I can't. oh, Bronson Reed, uh, beat Mustafa Ali. Oh, yay. Uh, then we get Edge and Beth interviewed backstage by Kathy. Miz TV with Seth, who eventually attacks Miz, but then Theory shows up. Seth stomps Miz. Theory puts down Seth, and Theory's left standing tall. Um, yeah, interesting. Get- uh, I mean, basically all this is, is we basically figured out that, yes, it's going to be Seth versus Logan Paul at fucking Mania, and boy... Uh, then we got Bugs and Elias talking backstage while MVP Cedric and Shelton are talking in the background during this segment. Um, 
basically Elias is like, eh, if you look good out there tonight, maybe we'll talk about doing a compilation together or some shit. I don't know, you know. Uh, then Boogs goes out and beats The Miz. Uh, another Chelsea and Adam Pierce segment backstage like they've been doing the last few weeks. Then they have Judgment Day interviewed again backstage by Byron. And then your main event, which means your opening segment of the show meant jack shit. Mm-hmm. Bianca beats Becky and Bailey to prevent either one of them from entering the Elimination and Chamber match this week. Another match that was insanely overbooked. Because we got interference going on, but it's a triple threat, so it's no disqualification. And just this, that, and the other thing, and the double finish. It's... It's a women's match, so I'm guessing it's Tyson Kidd that produced it. But it's just over... It's fucking overbooked. Like, they're... I'm not saying it was a bad match. Just, there was no reason for it. A lot of schmas is what you're saying? Yeah. Like, what was the point in this? Like, so we're going to have this chamber match where neither Becky nor Bailey are involved. And was it just to continue their shit? Like, which... Honestly, the cage match should have ended the feud, but we live in 2023 WWE where cage matches are just randomly in the middle of the feud, apparently. Like, well, no, so you know what's going to Have you seen what's been teased online to happen? Is it what I suggested last week? What was that? Becky Trish and Lita versus Damage Control. Yes. So you you heard it here first. <laughs> yes, that's what's being teased online. Correct. Which fine, but that means Damage Control has to lose the women's tag belts before Mania. Um. Plus, Trish is posting workout videos now. So. Cool. I mean that. That will pop the crowd. That will get views. You know, you got to get your Attitude Era fucking fans in the in the door for Mania, and that'll do it. All right. I have a feeling there's going to be a... Oh, you don't watch it, so... Nope. Uh, all right. Well, I had a friend bitching to me, and I went, dude, you're alone. I'm not watching this shit. All right. Um, do you know... I saw the lineup, and I posted on NXT's page, NXT needs a new booker. Do you know what he was bitching about? Uh, it was the it was the uh, it was in the first hour because he turned off the second hour. He said, "I can't do this anymore." All right, well, I'll run through it. You let me know. Mm-hmm. Uh, they opened the show with Tyler Bate beating Grayson Waller, as it should happen because Grayson Waller does not deserve any more push. And Waller was not happy; thought that he had his shoulder up, but on the referee count, so him and the ref actually leave through like where the announcer area is instead of going, you know, which is going to continue the story that I presented last week that the NXT oh, title match is oh. going to be a big six way ladder. Oh, well that's not what's okay. Um, then we get Briggs and Jensen backstage. Uh, they're showing a clip from earlier in the day where Jensen admits he's never kissed a woman before. It wasn't bad enough that he was a virgin. Now it's, he's never kissed a woman. Oh, like, wait, wait, a wait, break. it gets better. It gets better. Uh, Briggs, is trying to explain the 90-10 thing. Yep, from Hitch, yeah. And uh, he tries practicing it with Jensen. Why didn't they just bring in Quincy for that? Well, then Fallon interrupts before it can happen uh, and just says to go for it if Kiana is playing with her keys. 
sure. Um, apparently that's that's a sign to I don't fucking know. Um, then we go back Here's to <laughs> what the fuck. Um, I don't know. Something was going on, and I don't know. They were backstage for some reason, and it showed. Uh, oh no 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 no! This the sorry. So on this show, Grayson Waller arguing near Gorilla with HBK and like tossing shit off his desk and everything. Mm-hmm. Bloom Bloom gets up and basically escorts Waller out. And HBK, oh, yeah. Yeah. HBK yells in the headset to cut the break. <laughs> then after the break, we get Apollo with a vignette about Dabo Kato. Oi. Uh, then we get a JC Jane in ring promo. Ugh. You want to guess what reference she makes during the promo? The barbershop window. Um, more specific. What do you think she called Gigi Dolan? The Marty of the team. Janetti. Yes. Yes. Boy, that is so fucking played out. Like I understood the analogy amongst fucking internet marks during the early and mid two thousands, but after working with Marty a few times, you got to realize that Marty was the workhorse of that fucking team. Yeah. Um, then we get a chase you backstage thing. They're checking to make sure Tia is okay after what happened with her being kidnapped the week before. Tia says she still gets a little spooked. Um, but when people are sneaking up on her, but she's okay to fight. Then we get a Sol Ruka vignette where she wants another shot at Zoe Stark. Yay. Uh, then Tia Hale is fighting Tiffany Stratton. She gets spooked for... I mentioned that. Um, so she's on the outside. She tosses Stratton back in and then for some reason decides to look behind her into the crowd again. And there's Ava Rain to distract her. Then she gets in. Tiffany Stratton gets the upper hand. Stratton gets the win. Um... Ivy Nile and Tatum Paxley are in the gym. Javi Bernal walks in, Ugh. asks Tatum to be his Valentine. She says no and has a boyfriend. Then she asks, he asks Ivy, well, real life is married, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, she says no as well. And then puts Javi in that weird ass, like, dragon sleeper kind of thing she does. Yeah, where she puts the one arm behind her back. Yeah. yeah. And then, for whatever fucking reason, they had, there was a speaker, like a big ass speaker on the <laughs> ground. And all of a sudden, Isla Dawn's voice is coming through the fucking speaker, talking to Ivy and Tatum. Sean, stop it. You can't book. Uh, Then Axiom beats Damon Kemp in singles action. Shocker. Then they show a tweet from Jensen with pictures from his date with Kiana. And then show Fallon and Briggs backstage. Fallon says she finally has to tell Jensen about the phone call from weeks before where she and Kiana end by saying I love you to someone and her and Briggs take off. Uh, Then we get a Braun in-ring promo and this will make you happy. Part of the crowd was chanting Braun Breaker sucks. Good. Because fucking tired of this shit. Dude Uh, got pushed to the fucking moon and he's he's in fucking Super Cena territory right now. Well, Jinder... And Indu Share come out to interrupt. My surprise face. And Ginger eventually challenges Braun for a title match next week. Braun accepts. 
And then he, which will be some fuckery. Well, this is you want to talk about throwbacks. You want to guess what he called Indushir? The Bollywood boys. No, he called him. He called them Ginger's new three MB. Boy. Yeah. Because you know they're white and everything. Yeah, like um, you should have called the fucking new Singh brothers. Like. <laughs> Uh, then we gender should be the call that shit the Bollywood Club. Then we, I already made a logo. Years then we ago. get, get Sadamora, Roxanne, Caden, and Katana backstage. Caden and Katana apologize for their attitude the week before towards Roxanne. Roxanne accepts the apology. Um, whatever. I didn't know that you apologize to somebody before you fight him. That's new, right? Um, then we get Indy backstage. Mackenzie says the only place JC is going to end up is behind her. Why is Indy still in NXT at this point? Uh, then Wesley uh, had his open challenge for the North American title. Um, Tony D's music kicks. Him and Stack start coming to the ring. But then Dijak comes up behind Tony D and attacks Tony D. Stax and, is perplexed about answering the challenge or helping Tony. Eventually goes and helps Tony. And Dijak faces Wesley and Wesley beats him clean. Wrong. They fight to the back and somebody sneaks up behind Wesley to start the match as the official challenger. And the challenger was... J.D. McDonough. Wrong, sir. Wrong. You're a couple segments early on J.D. McDonough. Okay. Vaughn. Oh, Jesus, fuck! Good news is Wesley... Wesley beat him. More on Von Wagner later. Then they show Gulak backstage with a bag, like a like a gym bag over his shoulder. Fucking Hank Walker appears in his new singlet. Hey, he's got a singlet. But he reveals that his boots haven't arrived yet, so Gulak goes in his bag and goes, I figured that. Here's a pair of boots. I, I fucking know. Um... So then, Charlie Dempsey submits Hank Walker. Shocker. Uh, Dempsey keeps the hold on after the bell. Gulak refuses to help Charlie to help break the hold. Finally, like five officials come in and break up the hold. And when it appears Gulak is getting in the ring, so Gulak gets on the apron, looks like he's going to get in the ring. Dempsey exits and stands on the apron, stare down at Gulak. And then... When Dempsey gets off the apron and start walking to the back, so does Gulak. So it's Gulak and Dempsey now. Oi! Instead of having them feud. Yep. Uh, yep. Which would have been a great fucking. Uh, stop it, Sean. Just stop. Just stop. This hurts. So we get uh, Robert Stone and Von Wagner backstage in the locker room. Stone says Von has. Von lost tonight because he doesn't have a connection with Stone or the NXT universe. And then he gives him the same line he did the week before. Help me help you. Boy. Uh, then they have a, what, was, what I thought was a kind of funny uh, little uh, vignette promo kind of thing with Gallus and Pretty Deadly. Gallus were playing pool at the pub. Pretty Deadly walks in. Um... They challenged Gallus to a game of pool. If they were, if they won, they were gonna get an NXT tag title shot. If Gallus won, they had to pay for a refill on their beers. 
they show Gallus beating the shit out pretty deadly like seven, eight times. Mm-hmm. And then they present the build of pretty deadly and they're like, whoa. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Gallus is leaving. They're like, hey, if you wanted a title match, all I had to do was ask. These are the two teams that had a fucking blood feud in NXT UK. <clears throat> and. Fuck off, Sean. Fuck off. What do you think would have made your buddy turn off the TV, by the way? Have we figured this out yet? Oh, it was when Wesley beat Von Wagner. He got mad at Wesley winning. He said he said two weeks in a row, Wesley beats a fucking giant. This isn't believable and turned it off. Oh, sure. Okay, I guess we'll go with that. Uh, Then we get Ilya backstage with Mackenzie being interviewed. They get interrupted by Trick, who's in the ring, and calling out Ilya, which is interesting because those two have been having matches during the house shows on the weekends. Mm-hmm. Just a heads up. Uh, so Ilya comes out. Uh, he eventually knocks down Trick after some talking back and forth. Then JD comes out with his one eye covered because apparently he had a detached retina from the attack the week before when Ilya returned. I don't fucking know. Uh, Trick comes back in, takes out Ilya from behind, and that's the end of the segment, basically. Um, then we come back from break. Mellow and Trick are backstage. Um, basically hyping up Trick taking out Ilya. I don't think they... Yeah, it was just about that, because Mellow didn't really say... Like, right before Trick walked in, Mellow was like, who the fuck is this getting a title shot before me about mm-hmm. gender? Um. Now, the grand finale of the Jensen Kiana James saga. Ugh. Jensen and Kiana come to the front door of Kiana's house. They're about to kiss. Fallon and Briggs show up in the picture. Fallon confronts Kiana about the phone call which she heard her say, "I love you, Zach." And Kiana reveals Zach is her brother, and Zach mm-hmm. opens the door. And goes, hey, I fed the dogs, mm-hmm. and then closes the door, and then Fallon apologizes. Uh huh. And Kiana goes in, and Brooks doesn't get his kiss. Right. They cock blocked him. This is gonna lead. <sighs> this is gonna lead to a rift between Brooks and Jensen, which nobody fucking wants. Right. Uh, then we get to the main event: Roxanne Perez and Mako Sadamore defeat Caden and Katana. And then at the very end, we go off the air with. Sadamora challenging Roxanne for the NXT women's title. There's reasons. Which I'm going to assume will be for NXT Roadblock because they promoted that during the show. That's going to be March 7th on USA. Obviously, like as a tweener show before they go to Hollywood on Mania Weekend. Mm -hmm. So, um, as far as next week on NXT is concerned, I know they made it official. That's going to be Braun and Jinder. Um, that's honestly all I remember them promoting for next week. I don't remember anything else off the top of my head. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, that's that's all I can think of off the top of my head. Um, if I can think of something else, well, whatever. We'll cover it next week. Um, what else? What else? What else? Did they just drop the whole gimmick with the the NXT fucking spy camera shit? No. Uh, But it it, it wasn't 
anything wild or crazy. They just showed it. Um, they showed a, a video tweeted out by it where it showed Roxanne Perez picking up Sodomore at the airport. That's literally all. You know who it. hasn't shown up since his big debut and heel turn? Help me. Scripts. <sighs> you showed up. And the next week you turn heel, I think, on Axiom. And that was uh-huh. the last thing I saw of him. Yep. You're right. You're right, cuz. Like, it's just, it's so, like, they need a new booking team. Like, they've got coaches, but Sean is the only one getting the book. Like, I'm not saying, like, Matt Bloom probably has a halfway decent a year or two. Um, Oni is actually full-time coach there now. He's a, he's officially retired. They, Matt Bloom announced that during an interview he had. I mean, I don't know, like, Biff trained under Brian Fury, and Brian Fury was a decent booker, so maybe he picked up some stuff from Brian in that category. I'm not sure. But Sean's booking is getting more atrocious by the week. I know. And I just, it, there's no reason to fucking watch it. All right, Elimination Chamber. Here's the card we got. Uh, Lashley versus Lesnar. We've already discussed. We're probably going to see like a double DQ, double count out kind of thing. No contest somehow. Yes. Um, Edge and Beth versus Finn and Rhea. Thoughts. So, if Edge and Beth lose, Edge has to. What do you call it? It's a weird dichotomy. You can't have Rhea lose. Because she's going on to Mania. Against Charlotte. Yeah. So you can't have her take a pin. So that automatically takes that part out. Now, do you have Finn take the pin? And just say we're done with this feud because they beat Finn and Rhea? Or do you have Judgment Day fuckery and Finn gets the pin on Edge? Edge snaps within the next couple of weeks after that, which will lead to Brood Edge versus Demon Valor at Mania. Can I go a step further for you? Sure. I'm going to make a prediction right now. Mm-hmm. This is based off the rumor and conjecture, by the way, that um, about the way they are constructing their pay-per-view schedule going forward from now on. Okay. Edge takes the pin. We have Edge and Balor end it all at Hell in a Cell. I don't know about Hell in a Cell, but I see a big type of blow-off match, yes. And the only reason I bring up Hell in a Cell is because Edge, I don't know, they they seem like all his blow-off matches are fucking psychotic, so that's the only reason I mentioned Hell in a Cell, honestly. Yeah. Um, the last non-chamber-related match, Roman defending against Sami Zayn. I mean, we know what we assume. Um, So I guess the real question becomes, and obviously we'll have more answers to this next week once we see what happens at Chamber. Are they really going to go just Roman and Cody and then have Sammy booked in a different part of Mania 
or are we going to have some kind of multi-way evolve out of this? And this is where it's in because Cody alone is not box office. I, I will continue to say this until the end of time. Cody is a second choice right now. Why rock couldn't commit or if they are just keeping that super under wraps until the pay-per-view, I have no clue, but Cody alone is not box office. Now it seems like they would do Sammy and Owens for the tag titles against the Usos. However, maybe not. Maybe we get a brawl match of Owens versus solo on the undercard at mania. Go ahead. I'd like to interject with my idea Mm -hmm. and see if you like it. Okay. What if because you see you you hear a constant reference to cracks, crumbling, Mm -hmm. chinks in the armor, blah 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 blah. That's been Mm -hmm. a big part of the promos from Cody and Sammy the last week and a half, two weeks. Right. What if there's a genuine uprising against Roman. And Pierce says, not from the bloodline. And Pierce says, fuck this. You get a shot. You get a shot. You won the Rumble. You still get a shot. What if it becomes a four-way with Sammy, KO, Cody, Roman? And Roman drops the belt, not getting pinned. So I could see the four-way. I think that would be smarter because it you need that that would add more box office considering Sammy has the longest running story out of it. Mm-hmm. Cody won the rumble. Owens main evented last year against against Austin. And it's just generally been part of the storyline in and out with Roman for two right. years. And is gonna be white hot when he shows up in Montreal. And hasn't been fucking seen or heard from since the rumble, which is smart. So I could see that happening. I still don't see Roman dropping the belt. Okay. I just, it's as much as Sammy has that baby face underdog story, Owens has a long history and Cody has the, I came back from injury fucking story. I don't see any of them being at the level to dethrone Roman. Roman is still the biggest ratings getter and he is still the biggest merch seller. But yes. You missed part of the Cody story. Huh? You missed part of the story for Cody. Part of Cody's story is also my daddy is dusty. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and I started another company, but yeah, it and just, oh God, we're not a rib. Right. Like it's, uh, I, it's, it's, if we lived in a different world where Cody had not injured himself prior to hell in a cell and had been around this whole time, the Cody show had been done and over with by now. Exactly. Like I have my survivor series, right? I have no doubt. Everything that was said about there was never a plan to put Cody in the main event was a complete fucking shoot. I still believe that. I think they just did it here because rock couldn't commit to the day of the rumble. And I mean, they could still find a way to fucking schmoz him in. Don't, don't get it wrong. Like there's still ways. I'm not saying it's, it's, it's looking less like an option as each week passes, but they, it, they could still fucking do it. Can, can I can I throw out something fucking wild and crazy? Uh huh. Let's go with my idea. Okay. Okay. 
but go with your result. Okay. Who's to say they don't start rolling the lower third and all of a sudden you hear, if you smell. I've seen that suggested where Brock shows up at the end of Mania and then they build towards a program at SummerSlam. Very like. Like when Brock showed up that. Oh, what? Oh, no, not Brock. When Cena showed up at. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah. That one year. What yeah. was it? Was it? Was it that SummerSlam. Year? Yeah. Was it last year? No. Last year he just randomly went on. T- no. No, he showed up what last year at SummerSlam. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Right. Well, right. so 2021, because we're still in the, it was 2021 at SummerSlam. Okay. That's what it was. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, like, and that, and, and because I've seen that tossed around where Rock shows up and then it, they go towards it at SummerSlam, which, okay, because SummerSlam's going to be at Ford Field. So it's a giant stadium show and they got to fill it. But then again, like the whole thing is it's fucking Hollywood. Like this is, the, it's, it writes oh, you're, itself. You're, you're taking it too far than where I was going with it. Okay. Where are you going with it? I'm not saying it's the best ending in the world, but a better storytelling recreation from 30 years prior. What number WrestleMania is this technically? What is this, 37? Nope. No? Oh, no, this is 39. Okay, so what was 30 years ago? WrestleMania 9. Oh, with the Hogan and Yoko thing. Ah, I don't see... Not in the same vein, per se, because obviously you're not going to have the whole bullshit salt finish. Right, but I just, I don't see, like, that. that's kind of a sour taste in your mouth. If Rock just comes in out of nowhere and wins the belt in a minute and a half. That's a sour taste. Like you want to have Hogan. a full on match. My champion, Yokozuna. Issue a challenge. He right. put up the WWE championship right now. <laughs> Sorry, that was a very bad Mr. Fuji. Yeah. I love Mr. Fuji. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just so it could be a build towards SummerSlam. But I just I, I don't know. Like it's. There's something not right with this whole situation and I can't put my finger on it. And it's like, you know, and it's because it's the fact that like, if you just, even if you leave KO out and you still have Sammy and Cody, like I have spoken at length as to the faults and, and trials and tribulations of Cody Rhodes. And I love Sammy, but he's not that guy to take that mantle. Because it's Roman has been built up so huge that it's gonna take something big, and it's it's not Cody, and especially like, it's, would Trips be petty enough to be like, yeah, I took this guy who was booking himself into bullshit things in his in his own company, and slapped the belt on him just to say, look, we got him over when he, when his own company couldn't, because it doesn't prove anything. Co- AEW, especially the last year he was there, proves that Cody is not box office. It, it like fucking clockwork. Every time Cody would come out, the ratings would go down. Cody should. Everyone was booing him out of the fucking building, and he refused to turn heel. And no matter what he did to himself, nobody fucking cared. 
So you can't just take them and bring them over here. It's like, oh my God, the prodigal son returns. It's no, it, it was good for the spot against Seth last year. You pop the crowd for that. But in the long run of shit, and I've said this before, he has not been a good return on the investment. And I'm sorry, but Trips remembers shit. And Trips is going, you remember that fucking throne? You remember the golden shovel spot? Fuck you, kid. Um, speaking of Cody and Mania. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. So he's going to put the logo of every indie he works for during his time away from WWE on his fucking weight belt. Highly doubt it. Well, except for one that we talked about before. Mm-hmm. I guarantee Blitzkrieg is not going to be on there. Oh, let me see if Matt James messaged me back. That's just stupid. Uh, um, not, he has not messaged me, but oh, no, wait, no, no yes, no, yet, no, not yet. No, no, did not message me. By the way, forgot to mention this during the NXT part real quick. Mm-hmm. So the jacket that Jack wore to the ring. Oh, yeah. Day, he decided to auction it off uh, to raise money for um, for Jay Briscoe's family. And that officially ended last night. Would you like to guess how much it auctioned off for? Did it hit 10000 No, No. Oh, okay. Uh, three grand. And uh, so Dijak posted about that. Um, and he thanked the person in his post and mentioned how he already sent the money over to uh, Jay's family. So very nice yeah, move by Dijak. Nice. Very classy. Yes, I agree. Um, back to Chamber now. Okay. So the two Chamber matches. Mm-hmm. Let's start with the what I feel is the less complex one, which is winner gets a shot at Bianca Belair at Mania. Oscar, next. Thank you very much. Um, then we get to the other one for the U.S. title. Hmm. Theory defending against Seth, Gargano, Bronson Reed, Damian Priest, Montez Ford. Let's just get this out of the way. Bronson Reed is there to be the token big guy. Let's just yep. put it that way. And Montez um, is there for one reason, one reason only. Spot monkey. To um, do the frog splash off the top of that pod. Yes. Um, so we can eliminate those two. No offense. Mm-hmm. Love Johnny to death. We can eliminate him. So I think this is going to be the catalyst to set up a one-on-one between Johnny and Theory Mania. Okay. I feel like Seth is going to get screwed somehow by Logan Paul. Okay. Don't know how that would happen, but okay, sure. We've seen we've seen screw jobs happen in the chamber before. Remember Sean and Taker? Okay, so Logan's gonna come out from underneath the crate, the green. Mm-hmm. So that's that's cool. Okay. Um, so then how do we eliminate Damian Priest? Just, Just fucking pen sucks. Him. Fuck him. So you think in final two is Theory and Gargano? I so I think final three will be Theory, Gargano, and Seth. Something happens where Seth gets screwed. And uh, and gets yanked. And so then we do what we did. If you remember. Uh, when they did Daniel Bryan in the chamber and it was him and Santino and like they just pulled out a clinic for the last like 15 minutes of the chamber. I think we're going to get something like that. And Gargano's going to almost get it. 
and theory is gonna get you a quick totally fucking just said the wrong person huh you totally just said the wrong person what do you mean i think you met daniel bryan and kofi no but there was one year where santino was in the fucking in the chamber too and he was the last guy and he pulled out a fucking clinic and we were like what the fuck is going on and I thought it was against Daniel Bryan. Because I, I remember Daniel Bryan and Kofi. Yeah, obviously I remember that. I remember Santino pulling out the Cobra and almost winning, but I don't remember him putting on a clinic with Daniel Bryan in that match. It was it was weird. It was it was literally Santino was the last guy in there with the champ, and people were like, holy shit, could he actually do it? And it captivated the crowd. Um anyways, continue. But yeah, I think it I think it'll be Gargano in theory, and it'll be like 15 to 20 minutes of just quick miss, quick miss, quick miss, and then theory yanks it out somehow. But it's, you know, like Gargano took him to the fucking limit. And that will be the catalyst for Gargano to be like, I had to go through five other guys. And, you know, because you could you could easily have Gargano be one of the starting guys and theory be the last guy to come out of the pod. And that way, Gargano can be like, I spent 40 minutes in this match. You spent 15 minutes in this match, whatever. And that can lead to a one-on-one for the U.S. title between the two of them at Mania. Okay. And I think that's a good story. And I think that's going to be what will act. Because the crowd's kind of hit or miss on Johnny. Because... He hasn't been able to do a lot because mm-hmm. he had that like slight injury and everything. And they just put him with Dexter because they kind of didn't know what to do with him at the time. And I think this could be the thing, just like they did with Kofi, where the it will get the crowd behind him enough to be like, I want to see this match and I want to see this guy win. I just want to see Johnny go. Not go over, but get over. Like, right, get, exactly. And I think this could be the way to do it. Yeah. This could be the way to do it. Okay. So. Okay. So, all right. So I, w- I was, I was, I was right. Sorry. I was looking up the, the elimination chamber you were, you were referencing. Okay. Elimination Chamber 2012. Okay. Kali, Big Show, Cody, Wade Barrett, Santino, Daniel Bryan. Yeah. Daniel Bryan, I believe, walked in as the World Heavyweight Champion, if I remember correctly. Yes, yes. Kali went out, then Big Show, then Cody, then Barrett. This is, okay, so my memory was was correct. Because that's where Morella, I think Daniel Bryan was just kind of out of it, like after he pinned Barrett or something. Yeah. Morella got the Cobra, and everybody's like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Morella's going to win. Um, So the final elimination happened three and a half minutes after Barrett was eliminated. That was a hell of a three and a half minutes, though, I remember. Like, it may not have been 15, but it felt like it because it was people, the, the, the suspension of disbelief became very apparent. I'm trying to think what the fucking. Oh, that's right. That's the title reign where Daniel Bryan eventually dropped the shit. Lost in eight seconds. Yes. seconds. Oh my fucking god! I forgot. About yes. That. <sighs> yeah, because I was why I was like he was. I know it was Daniel Bryan, and he was a heel at the time. So yeah. Yeah. Um. 
Yeah. So, news. Do you have any last minute things? You want to Is go there over? anything else I sent to you that we didn't cover? I think we got everything. Um, let me cut my notes one more time. Nothing, 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 nothing. Oh, there's yes, there is one. There's one thing I want to bring up. Okay, sir, fucking sir. So we've had this conversation before at a different time, and I just kind of ignored you because I thought you were just being an asshole. But then you messaged me again on Sunday night about something. And I gotta I gotta I gotta I gotta bring it up here in in public so that we can get this off our chests. You need to preface this by saying I did not have any skin in this game at all. So I need to, I need to, I need to, I'm sorry. I have to, I have to, I have to. So, um, should I put this? AJ thinks the NFL is a work. More specifically, he thought the Super Bowl was a work. Yes. I don't think the entire scope of the NFL is a work. We'll get that out of the way oh, to be in. Okay. All right. So let me scratch that then. So you think the Super Bowl was a work? Yes. Okay. There you go. Would you please explain why you think this? So... This has been going on for quite a few years now. And it actually went back to the year where my team made it to the Super Bowl. And they lost embarrassingly when they were up at halftime. And afterwards, when they were talking to the to the team's quarterback, he kind of just was despondent about everything and got up and walked the fuck away. Who the fuck do you like? I'm a Panthers fan. Uh-oh. You remember that year they got to the Super Bowl and then fucking uh, I, Cam, yeah, I Cam Newton said, fuck this game and walked out? Yeah, I remember that game. It was after that that I started noticing things every year when the Super Bowl came around. Now, this actually this actually kind of, it came to, uh, um, if you know, the, there's an economist, his name is Robert Reich. Um, he was the Secretary of Labor under Bill Clinton. He also worked um, under the Carter administration and a couple other things. The dude is a, he's a genius when it comes to economics. Um, he has a, he did a documentary called inequality for all about income inequality. I highly suggest it. Um, and he has a YouTube channel where he releases videos explaining certain economic things um, at least once a week. And he actually did a video two weeks ago about football teams and how, the the illusion that if you get a football team in your town and you get a stadium that that helps your town's economy and how in reality it's just to give the billionaire who owns the team a bigger tax break and how they end up getting kickbacks from the city because the city thinks that it's going to drive more tourism and more local sales and all that but in the end 
they get huge tax breaks and they really don't give anything back to the community. Well, I mean, I've, I've heard that before. Right. So, like I said, over the last, especially the last few years, every time I watch the Super Bowl, I'm like, this, it, it, it feels like it's being booked. Like seven years ago, by the way, it was the Broncos and Panthers. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it hasn't been a decade, but close enough. But every time I watch, like it's, I look at it through the mind of a booker and I'm seeing these things going on and it's like, it's, it's being booked by a shitty booker. And this is my belief. I was actually having this conversation at the Super Bowl party I was at. And uh, because they were actually there, like the people there too, were like, they, they, they had no skin in the game. They, you know, cause they, they thought both teams were great. Um, but they were like, this seems like it's fixed. And I said, this is my thought process. I think that the actual season and the majority of the postseason are all legit. It is up to the teams. Everything there is completely on the level. But when we get to the championship week, the AFC championship and the NFC championship, and this is, this is my conspiracy theory, if you will. What I believe is there is a blind bidding war between the four team owners to Roger Goodell and to the over and to the governing body of the NFL, there is a blind bidding war. And what happens is whoever offers up the most money from each championship game goes to the Super Bowl. And then whoever of the four put up the put up the highest bid is who wins the Super Bowl. Because if you win a Super Bowl, that means more people come to your town. That means bigger tax breaks. That means traffic to your stadium. That means your ticket sales go up. Which is, and the thing that really got to me this year was how fucking salivating Tony Khan was at the idea of getting to the championship. Because Tony Khan would have been like, 50 million to the NFL! Just this is a joke, years, right? Just see, no. Call me crazy. But it's just every year I've seen that. And it goes back to that year when Cam Newton, like, like it was basically like during halftime, Cam was told to throw the fucking game and shave the points. And then Cam just lost it. And he's never been the same since. Like, he got transferred. He, he got traded to another team. He came back to the Panthers. And you can tell, like, because I love Cam Newton, and his heart has never been in it like it was that year. They were undefeated going into the fucking Super Bowl. But Bank of America didn't put up enough money that year. Plus, because you always notice it's always a it's always a Cinderella story at the yo. Know, it's like because like that that year it was Peyton Manning was retiring. Or the year that the Ravens won because Ray something or other was retiring. Ray Lewis. Ray Lewis, yes. Like, there's always something behind it. Like, this year it was Patrick Mahomes with a broken ankle, comes back, and yada, yada. And, like, it's... It's because I've been in the damn business for so long that I see things. I'm like, who booked this shit? 
unfortunately, that's my that's my cross to bear. As I look at things and I go, who booked this shit? Like, I would love to believe that it's just a competitive sport when it gets to that level. But the amount of money that goes into that weekend, advertising, entertainment, the, the fucking cost of the tickets. It's dark money. That's all I'm saying. It's dark money. Anything else you want to provide to this theory? Not that I can think of currently. I'm not saying anyone has to believe me. These are my thoughts. And the, 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 the opinions expressed are of Joseph J. Alexander alone and, and do not reflect White Heater Gazilla Media. That's episode 87 of White Heat. <laughs> I'm going to reserve my... I'm going to reserve my thoughts for another day. What the fuck is that? This is my new gift that the wife gave me for Valentine's Day. It's a skull. It's an aura quartz skull. Precious. I got a rock. Precious. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. That's JJ Alexander. I'm Brian Katie. This has been episode of seven of White Heat presented by Godzilla Media. I'm at Brian Katie on Twitter. He's at JJ underscore Alexander on Twitter. Send the um, hate tweets. Yes. Please. <laughs> I get you all to do that. Because I I I I can't wrap my head around the last 10 minutes of the show. Uh yeah, I I I I just I I can't. Any hooser. JJ, we gotta end the show the right way. Say fuck Shawn Michaels booking. You're muted. Thanks. Well done. Fuck Shawn Michaels booking. Thank you very much. Goodbye.